Welcome back to the Science Fiction Film Podcast by LSG Media. I'm Dean. I'm Matthew. And on this week's episode, we are discussing Mr. Brooks from 2007, directed by Bruce Evans. I got to break out my notes. Hold on. Okay, I'm ready. Broke them out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dude. If you want to know something really crazy. Uh Uh-huh. I watched it twice. <laughs> I wanted to. All right, hold on. Let's let's get started. Let's yeah, get yeah, started. yeah, yeah, yeah. After watching Mr. Brooks, I thought to myself, Matthew Anderson, here's what I thought. I thought, we probably could charge like an extra 50 bucks for this one. <laughs> I got to go back. Actually, I'm going to so, need a tip. So, Drayton Holmes, I just want to let you know the bill is in the mail <laughs> for the extra 50 bucks. <laughs> Oh, baby. So at one oh. point, I don't even know what I was doing. I was, I'm watching the movie. I watch it twice. Mr. Brooks, right? I'm watching Perfect. it. And then when there's, she, when, when Demi Morgan's do a shootout with those two rejects. Oh, fuck yes. Dude, I just, I just went like this. Yo. That, these were my exact words. Yo. This movie is fucking whack. <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, dude. This movie's crazy. It's utter bobbins. It's fucking bananas. Dude, you know, every now and then we do a movie. Even It it might even be a a good movie, but I'm not like particularly like pumped and like energetic to talk about it. It might even be a movie that I enjoyed, but I didn't blow me away. And I'm like, yeah, this is interesting. We'll talk about it. But I kind of have to like work myself up into it and, you know, get in that, that, you know, podcast mood and in the entertainer mode, you know, really get ready to talk about it, get into it. This one didn't have to worry about that at all. I am fucking pumped to talk about this movie. Dude. Me too. Me too. So excited. This is a great bounty, by the way. <laughs> I want to make Such that a clear. Great bounty. <laughs> this is a great bounty. I'm looking not forward. Not a good movie, but yeah, a though. great bounty. Yeah, though. It's <laughs> not. It's uh, uh, boy. It is. I don't know what it is, but it is fucking nuts. <laughs> it's fucking nuts, man. Have you seen The Room? Have you seen that yet? Tommy Wiseau. Is that Wiseau? the one with Captain Marvel? What? That? Is Captain Marvel in that? <laughs> no, that's Captain Marvel's room of one own, one's own. Ah, man, I fucked that Virginia Woolf joke up mm. so bad. Yeah. Anyways, no one's going to no, get it anyway. Uh, the Room. The, the one they uh, made the disaster artist after. All that. Mm. All that shit. I, I, the only room I know is the one where the girl like lived in the room the whole time. <laughs> Not that one. All right. Well, The Room has kind of become... America's favorite bad movie. Like it's like it's the probably the most famous B movie that's really bad but enjoyably terrible, just laughably terrible that's been made in the past like 30 years that people I mean they have screenings of it to this day. They that sell out, people fucking love it. Um yeah, and this man there's a little bit of room magic in this to me. And evidently it has gained a little bit of a cult following. After getting out of the theaters, because it you know it didn't lose Wait, money whoa, in the whoa, theaters. Whoa, whoa. This movie has a cult following. <laughs> yes, it does. I guess I, I, I guess one. I don't find that utterly surprising, considering somebody literally gave us money to pick this movie to cover of all the movies. That's what I'm saying. So you so so telling me that is kind of funny because I think wow, it must that must be true. It must have a cult following. Yeah, Andre and, and Holmes, uh, by the way. Thank you for the bounty, Mr. Holmes, is the leader Absolutely. of that cult following. 
Drayton Holmes <laughs> consolidating power after killing all the other elders of the, the I mean, Mr. Brooks cult. To be fair, his name is Drayton Holmes. That's true. That is a fantastic cult leader. Name. It is a cult. Yeah. Think, I mean, think <laughs> about that. This small town in Iowa was going was about to be ravaged by Drayton Holmes and his cult of Mr. Brooks. <laughs> Mr. Brookites. Details at 11. That's a thing. It's kind of, <laughs> if it's not, it's about to be a thing. There's going to be a fucking Netflix documentary about how they tried to poison a politician. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, baby. But no, man. I, dude, I kind of get it. I would happily watch this movie again. Not like tonight. Isn't that like, weird? Hold on. What's that? Isn't that weird? I watched it two times, man. Two. I didn't get to watch it twice. I, I probably watched it one and a half. Times. I watched it and I was like, this movie is insane. I think I want to watch it again. It's ludicrous. It's ludicrous. It's so fucking ridiculous, man. And you know, another funny thing going into this, I read a little bit about it before I, you know, watched the movie and I was like, oh, it's set in Portland. Okay. I wonder if there's any Portland shit I'll recognize the entire time. I'm going, none of this shit looks like Portland, like nothing, nothing at all. Like nothing about any environment or street side, any of the city. I was like, this doesn't look like Portland. Looked it up. They didn't shoot a fucking shot of this in Portland. It's all filmed in Louisiana. All of it. No <laughs> shit. All of it. And there Couldn't is one... be more different than Portland. Could <laughs> not. Um, <laughs> and by the way, there is one shot from Portland in this movie. Literally one shot. And it's at the very end of the movie when they're at that fucking cafe. And the outside establishing shot is probably some stock footage shot they bought of the Cup Saucer Cafe, which is an actual Portland place. And of course, in the reflection of the cafe uh, in the shot they chose, you see a Portland bus drive by to be really like, see, it's Portland. <laughs> and then we cut to inside and it's not obviously, I know where that cafe is. And when you look out the window, you're like, nah, it's not that street. That's <laughs> not it. Right. Uh, so I didn't even get to have a, a fun, ooh, I know that bridge. Ooh, I know that thing. None of that. What, what, is, what is up with this movie? What What is going on? A part of it, man, I I, I watched this with uh, with Jess last night. My Jess, not your Jess. Um, and we had, for one, we had a fucking blast watching this movie. This is, I, man, just before I get into it, one of, one of my most enjoyable film watching experiences in months. This was so much fun. But... I think part of this movie's uh, sort of problem that ends up bec- making it great, like in the room sense, is that it thinks it is so much smarter than it actually is. Dude, it, it, it there's really zero irony in this film. No, Not a slice. None. They have a, a little bit of that underworld super serious problem going on. But it's very serious. They, very. This is a dark film, a psychological thriller. But, this is a dark then, and serious film. <laughs> you're gonna see kevin costner's ass mm. oh man dude there this is this movie is baffling and i i can't wait to to uncurl all the fucking elements as we, as we talk about this for one the subplots are outrageous what is even happening in that shit i i that's this when movie I wants from- you to believe that a woman that looks like demi moore <laughs> who has 60 million in the bank is a policeman because she's just as honest as trees are tall. Dude, that is the biggest load of horse shit in the whole movie. 
And you know, you know, they could have even, you could still sell me on that if you had a more compelling, uh, re. I mean, fuck it. You know what? Fuck it. Why, it would why be the, the whole, whole movie, though. <laughs> like, what? You can't, that'd have to be the whole movie. Almost. If there's a cop with 60 million in the bank and there's still a detective and it's a subplot, that just doesn't work. No, no, no. And see, that's the thing. I can imagine, this is another one of those weird movies where it's a mess and it's pretty bad, regardless of how fucking enjoyable it was for me to watch it. It's a mess, but I can imagine the good version of it. I'm like, there, there's, there are nuggets of a good movie in here that you could, you, you, you couldn't fix it through editing. It's too far, too far gone for that. No. You have to start, you go back to the writing. Yes. But the initial, there are concepts here where I'm like, if you make it the, very focused, lean cat and mouse story about this singularly focused detective and this singularly focused serial killer and his imaginary killing pal. Uh, you got a tight three hand movie there that you could kind of explore all of those characters equally and make the detective compelling. Whereas in here, she's sort of like, I'm a main character for like 20 minutes, sort of scattered throughout. And then it's just kind of done. Yeah, she never <laughs> even interacts with like Costner. No. It's a separate movie, dude. It's it's totally irrelevant. Yeah, it's like ridiculous. when you're when you're watching the Demi Moore character in this movie, you, you know. So Demi Moore's story is pretty simple. It's she locked these guys up, and she's been tracking the thumbprint killer. By the way, terrible name for serial killer. So silly. Tracking him for a while, and then whatever he's gone cold for a couple of years, right up until the first ten minutes of the movie here. But her her plot as the movie opens, now that we've seen it twice, is. She is just a detective with 60 million in the bank going through a divorce where the guy wants money from her. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> like that's, what? that's your story. And, and then you're going to end up getting into a, a battle with this hangman. Like there's two active serial killers running around now and oh, the man. hangman. And you know, it's like, are we making a fucking villain squad? The Hangman, Mr. Thumbprince. Like, is this going to become Suicide Squad? What is who this? the fuck's next, right? Mr. Bad uh, Plot. Dude. And you know what? The other, the other thing that shocked and baffled me with this movie are some of the smaller technical details that they got right that other movies normally don't get right. Like, that, where I was like, wow. For example? Huh? For example? Like him, I, I've never, I've always wondered why in movies where like, you know, you know, murderer or especially like some secret agent assassin guy, I'm like, why don't they ever just like put a fucking bag over their gun? Sounds silly, but that's something that actually makes sense and works exactly like it does in the movie. Catches all your brass, catches all the gunpowder residue, uh, doesn't, you know, doesn't burn your skin, doesn't leave any fucking traces. You know, it, it makes it that much more untraceable. And I was actually like, that's kind of interesting like that, that this movie of all like dumb killer movies had a kind of interesting detail that i haven't seen anything else um and i definitely want to post a link to it after the podcast but i even watched a youtube video of a guy uh who did that like tested that like that exact same pistol with a, with a suppressor inside of a bag and he even he was like wow holy shit that works like really well caught all the brass you know part of his concern was that the gas from the uh the gun might fill up the bag and make the bag like pop. Nope, wasn't a problem. It contained all of the smoke, all of the smell. I'm like, it's kind of brilliant. Like it's like one of those weird technical things where you're like, wow, that's actually inventive and and smart and portrayed well in this otherwise pretty stupid movie. Just a couple of weird things like that. Right. Baffles me. Baffles me. Well you you could argue that the first like 
15 minutes are kind of intriguing. Um, right. Kind like of? he's going to, like he just wastes two people randomly. It just sort of opens that way. Like, and you go, okay, it's pretty goofy, but he just wasted these two people banging. And then he's sort of getting off on it. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> like you have my attention. <laughs> you know, I, I almost agree, except that this movie has a problem from the literal first frame. Yeah, where the dialogue it says, is terrible. No, no, way before that, way before that. The hunger has returned to Mr. Brooks's brain. It never really left. Where does it uh, say that? Oh, that's the beginning of the movie, dude. Before, like, No, it once, isn't. Did yes, I totally miss that? You fucking missed that, dude? I, I... <laughs> Dude, are you kidding me? Hold on, Dude, hold on. Are you saying movie. that comes up like in a like a like a text on the screen? Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yes. Scroll okay. all. The, go to the beginning of this. If uh, I'm telling Here you, I'm not bullshitting you. <laughs> For me, so, it comes in at forty seconds. Metro Golden, Goldwyn Meyer. Yeah, you go past all the studio logos, all that production company shit, and the yep. first thing you see, in the Element Films. Okay. <laughs> Um, I'm so excited. Eden Rock Media. Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> There's a million production companies in this, involved in this, which is always a kind of a bad sign, too. Wait a minute. Suspenseful music. Why is this crooked? Uh-huh. It's a little crooked on the... Uh, if they cut it the out... The hunger has returned to Mr. Brooks's brain. It never really left. <laughs> 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 dude, I... We... We oh fucking paused the movie. How did I see that on two? Because I pushed play, I ran How in the kitchen, and then I came back in. Dude, we paused the movie and looked at each other like, is this really how it begins? This is, this is it? This is the, oh, whoops. <laughs> Whoopsie, you already fucked up so bad. What the fuck? That's some, like, Dr. Seuss murder story shit. The hunger has returned to mix his book's brain. It never really left. He always felt the pain. Wow. Like, what the fuck? It's, oh, man. And from this point on, I was just like, this is, I am, in, I am locked on to this fucking masterpiece. Why did they I do that? I am so excited. I have no idea, man. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. Like, when, you, when I, I, again, to go back to like, try to imagine a good version of this movie. You know, if it were written by like a good writer, <laughs> like you could imagine just, you don't even have to change hardly anything. You just don't have that text and you, cu- you, you slide in, you know, from black to hearing Mr. Brooks saying that prayer that he says, you know, to himself. And maybe you see like William Hertz's reflection in the mirror and it's kind of weird, but and, and not really explained yet. And he goes out to this fucking ball that's all in his honor and that's it. And your movie begins and you're kind of left with that mysterious opening of like, why was that guy in the mirror? Why is he praying to himself and seeming so nervous? And it unfurls over time that, oh, he's a crazy murderer. Like, that's fine. Like, you open with a little mystery. Like, why do you have to, what, you have to explain the hunger in Mr. Brooks's brain, someone we've never seen yet? What? Yep. That shit is bizarre, man. That, <laughs> it's so baffling. Ah, oh, I, I love that. Wow. <laughs> I love it. Do you know that this guy wrote Starman and Cuffs? What? And Stand By Me, but not really, because Stephen King wrote Stand By Me. Yeah. Like, come on. You didn't. Don't take that. Slow down. He also wrote Jungle to Jungle. Oh, goody. (laughs) In Cutthroat Island, another winner. 
Oh, yummy. Isn't that the one that like almost killed Gina Davis's career? Ah, yeah, it totally is. Cut yeah, Matthew Bodine's in it, right? Private Joker. Oh, yeah. It's swashbuckling, dudes. <laughs> I wanted, it, I, I wanted it to be good so bad, and it just wasn't. Mm-mm. It's not. <laughs> yeah. But fuck, man. Oh, the, the, the writing It's really stilted, too. But I, I probably lay that at the feet of the screenplay. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, the dialogue, just, some of the dialogue is so crazy Brett, bad, man. Yeah. Like William Hurt. Oof. Boy, get out of the movie. And I love William Hurt. I love I, him. Me too. Honestly, before we even start going through it, like Kevin Costner and William Hurt are easily the best two parts of this movie. Like they're the best actors you know, on screen and they do a good job with what they have. Like there are times where I'm like, ah, William Hurt is fucking good the way he you know, delivers this line. And there are other times where I'm like, that line is so bad. It took everything William Hurt had inside of him to not spontaneously combust after he said it. Like that's all. That's that's the talent there that he didn't burst into laughter. Yeah. Oh man. But it is. Hey, bon- by the way, it is bonkers. It is a bonkers movie. Want to know one? I don't do this very often. One IMDb trivia fact about this movie that is honestly the craziest fucking fact about this fucking movie. Kevin Costner thought the script was one of the most perfect scripts he'd ever read, and that there were only three other scripts he'd read that made him feel that way. After hearing this, the writers took a day off to celebrate. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I don't even know. Me neither. It's, it's, it's from an alternate dimension, I think, Dean. I think it's from another place, another world, with a different set of rules, where cops get thrown out of vans and into the windshields of cars oh and walk away God. with a Band-Aid over their forehead, and that's it. It's a different world. It's from somewhere else. They don't think like we do. Yeah, man. Like, Oh, fuck. <laughs> so let's go through Mr. Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck, yeah. Fuck yes, dude. Okay, so he's fuck getting yes. his award. By the way, a black tie event at a Chamber of Commerce is hilarious. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah. I think you mean some plastic tables you unfolded, no shit, dude. some fucking Dixie cups. Come on, man. What are you talking about? I was uh, like, oh, was he getting some sort of medical award? You know, I, I, I thought he was like a surgeon, and he like you know saved a hundred lives. And they're like, no, you're the best guy. Says the Chamber of Commerce. Stop. Bunch of people who don't give a shit. Ah, uh, and then of course, man. um. Uh, so he, he essentially to, 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 to sort of button it down, mm-hmm. Mr. Brooks is a well-respected business owner who seems to be very loving of his family and at the same time is a bit of a serial killer. Now on the surface, now on the surface, that is a really good idea. It's not terrible. It's also stolen from Dexter, but that's okay. I think I think this beat Dexter to the punch. I'm not 100% sure on that. When did Dexter start? I think a year or two before. Really? Yep. I thought Dexter was like 2008, 2009. Nope. No, nope. you're right. You're right. Dexter was 2006, it's 2007. They fucking ripped him. They ripped Dexter off, which was the serial killer sort of blending in. And But what I'm I like to be a good guy. What's better yeah. about Dexter, I mean, a million things. But one thing in particular is that his inner monologue is a voiceover and it's his own voice and it just works better. Right. The William Hurt thing is really clunky. It's, I would say it's very clunkily executed, but I'm not totally against that idea. 
Um, I, I, I think it could be done well. I'm not against not even, the idea either, but I also right. feel like maybe if you, because I think what you're doing is if we're supposed to be focusing on Mr. Brooks, the main character, and you add a second person that's playing a part of his personality, it's like we're kind of taking away from the main character a little bit. Yeah, now that I agree. Where it's right. like, you're, well, for one, you're just splitting up the focus among more faces. You gotta right. remember, you're like, right. who's, what? What's going on? So, um, suddenly, Kevin Costner has to do a lot less. He's less challenged in a role that should be very challenging because we don't really see him grappling with anything at all, ever. Kind mm, of, just a couple of like. Sorta. He looks like he might be pushing a little hard on the toilet. Looks. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, it's about to prolapse. Ah. <laughs> like he's just sort of uncomfortable, and and that's really kind of it. Because <laughs> William Hurt is the devil in the black, and he lingers in the back. And there's a couple of cool shots of him in the car, just his sort of white face sort of glowing back there with seem, almost seemingly uh, disembodied, which I thought was uh, some clever stuff like that with him and his character. But you, you, dude, you get a chance to play a villain, and villains are so challenging. And right. you kind of just end up splitting the workload with with William Hurt. I, I, <laughs> I, I. So yeah, on the surface, so nor, normally I would say I prefer you just go with the guy. But like you, I'm not opposed to seeing it, and I would probably be singing a different tune if the whole movie was just better. Do you know what I mean? This this right. is a case of. Because the entire movie isn't good, that a lot of the little things that I might just look past in an otherwise better film, I'm going to nitpick. Right. That's right. human nature, right? We talked about that at the end of sort of Game of Thrones. It's just this thing. And, you know, we've talked about that before. It's it's like when, when shit's going bad at work, every little thing is bad at work. When things are going great, all the little things don't really matter. It's the same in everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> That is true. And and also the movie didn't do a very good job establishing the rules of this imaginary murder pal character of, of like when he's talking or when he's talking well, you which had to I mean, guess Mr. the Brooks. other person couldn't hear it, right? The wife. Right. You're like, well, Mr. Brooks is talking to him. Is he just saying this in his mind? Is he saying it out loud? But like eventually you come to realize like okay, no one else can see him obviously and no one else can hear Mr. Brooks talking. When Mr. Brooks is conversing with him, he's doing all of this in his head, and in real life, he's standing there silent. Like, you you eventually realize that, like, an hour into the movie. You're like, okay, that's for sure what's happening. Yeah. Um, but it takes well, a well, while. Well, no, I think, I, think I think with the scenes with uh, uh, Helgenberger there, the, the wife, I think we, doesn't she see him talking back to him? And then we're like, well, she's not reacting to him talking to nobody. But you're right, no, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, yeah. make it clear. Uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think we see her noticing him looking back. I'm not sure though. I, I didn't catch that. He he doesn't he doesn't talk. I thought he said no means no, Marshall. Oh no, he does talk to him. But I think that's I think he's supposed to be thinking that we that's see that's what I'm saying. It's no, I know no. What like, you said, you don't figure out till an hour in the movie. I'm saying you're being crazy. You know immediately the wife can't hear it. Right, but I'm saying you don't have that full confirmation of like this is the solid, solidified, unchanging rules about this until because like at first you hear he, when he first talks in this car, he's like kind of whispering. You're like, right? Is he, is he saying it yes. so quietly that yes. she's not noticing? Like I don't fucking know. I hear what you're saying. Uh, yeah. Anyway, in the most stilted wooden dialogue of all time, <laughs> K- 
Kevin Costner says, I didn't like the dessert tonight. I would like <laughs> something sweet. Nolan robot shit. He did. <laughs> <laughs> Such a robot in that scene. Oh, fuck. Ooh, I thought the food was good. Tonight was very good, but the dessert was bad. Can we stop for ice cream, please? I would like a sweet treat, please, for my mouth. Uh, yes, yeah. let's pull over and put sugar in mouth. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But yes, they pull over, eat some ice cream, and he's completely ignoring everything she's saying because he's all bonered up watching his couple. To be fair, she's kind of being boring. I mean, she is. She is. You know, I read some reviews of this that some people were like, uh, it, it, it's weird that she never questions him on anything and like never is suspicious and everything. I'm like, are you kidding me? She's fucking Melania Trump. She's like, I don't care what you do. Just keep me rich. Whatever. I don't fucking <laughs> care. I don't care if you're killing people. I don't give a shit. She do doesn't it. care. And, and she just, she doesn't, she never really says anything interesting, but you get the impression she's very supportive and loving of him, which is kind of cool. Like she just was talking about like some chick's nipples, and then she's talking about like getting a dog, and then she's talking about the ice cream, and then she's talking about the daughter. She's all over the map, and he is just <laughs> laser focused on oh, a yeah. random couple that was dancing that he has a murder boner for. Well, and this is, he's been watching this couple for a while because that's sure. one thing that Marshall, William Hurt's he imaginary the dancing, character. Right? Yeah. He's like, it's their dance class tonight. Like, so he's been stalking them a little bit for a while now. Right. And it's much, and it's way easier to stick a guy in the backseat to tell us this than to start the movie off with Mr. Brooks stalking and watching these people and then going to the ball. <laughs> right. Like, come on, man. Like, make the movie better. <laughs> This is, yeah, like, it's called storytelling and filmmaking. Like, just, just something, show us. something the guys who made Mr. Brooks know way better than us, so why am I telling them this? <laughs> right? But, but that's I mean, the thing, like, when people want to get too cute with, like, the editing, they want to get too cute with, like, the cuts, they, they want to get too cute with the time jumps, and oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I don't know. No, Instead of I just agree. telling a linear fucking story and letting us see it for ourselves right right and i mean again like the movie opens with text explaining that mixture brooks has a hunger in his brain like i don't you don't need to tell me that like you don't need to fucking tell me that like what if fucking memento opened up with he doesn't remember anything but he's going to try to solve this murder anyway and then f- cut fade in. You're like, why did you say that? Like, show it to me. This is a movie. It's a movie. It's a fucking movie, man. Fuck. Zodiac, No Country for Old Men, There Will Be Blood. Just a few that came out in 07. <laughs> I'm sure, you know, I'm sure this movie had a fighting chance. Jesse James. Oh, yeah. No, 310 to Yuma. Eastern Promises. American Gangster. God, this movie fucking, oof, I didn't, couldn't have had a fucking ray of hope. It didn't yeah. lose money, though. It made about $50 million against a $20 million budget, so it wasn't like a disaster. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it, 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 it's probably better than National Treasure. Gone, baby, gone. Wow. Oof. Wow, yeah. A lot of good movies that year. The Mist, huh? Michael Clayton. Um, Fuck, yeah. yeah, I forgot. Damn. 2007, man. Good year. Uh, a, a, another fucking abortion of a Fantastic Four film. Ugh. But uh, yeah, <laughs> that Silver Surfer one. God, <laughs> I don't think I saw it actually. I saw that in theaters. <laughs> but anyway, we know he's been stalking them because the man told us so. 
the scary man told us. The scary us man. So. The scary white man told us that he could break in and he already knows how. <laughs> so that's going to happen. But uh, we get this scene of intensity from Kevin Costner as he as he rocks back and forth with his hands folded about his face. Please uh, forgive me. And uh and he's grappling with uh with what he's about to do. And um, basically, he tells his wife he's going to go play with his pottery. I don't know if they're trying to make fun of Demi Moore. He's gonna, he's <laughs> you go think play. I was a, a ghost jab? <laughs> By the way, probably a much better movie than this movie, although I oh. don't think I've ever actually seen Ghost, which is crazy. Really? Yeah. Oh, crazy. Ghost is a good movie, man. I actually really like Ghost. <laughs> well, it came out at just the wrong time for me. Like, I had nah, no interest true. in that kind of thing at that age. You're like, that's some pussy shit. I ain't going to watch Ghost. Yep. You are 100% right. 1990, <laughs> dude? Yeah, I'm a freshman in high school. I'm going to go watch Ghost. Get the fuck out of here. Ghost. Uh, that's yeah. a girlfriend movie, though. Yeah. Yeah, that's it was, and I didn't movie. go. So it's probably why I was single afterwards. <laughs> but, um... <clears throat> but fuck. Yeah, no, he, the line is, too, uh, more just fucking... Glaze. Stop. Stop. God. I'm going to go in the uh, studio, be up for a while, maybe mess with some glazes. I'm like, hey, real you, quick, is that though? a nut joke? Are you real, fucking t- <laughs> real quick though? That's some Portland shit, right? Fucking hipster <laughs> artist. <laughs> his own studio. Yeah. With his fucking $5 million house. Yeah. And his fucking $1 million kiln setup he has. So, you know, he can burn people. <laughs> he's dirty bones. So he's uh, a serial killer. He runs a real exciting looking business that he wears a bow tie to. He has a kiln in his home so he can burn mm-hmm. things up, which is pretty cool. And uh, <laughs> and a wife that's just like, I'm going to read and wake me up so you can plow me when you get back. <laughs> I like Come her. and just shimmy it in. Just fucking slap it in there. Fire your ropes and uh, try not to snore too much. <laughs> but we see him. We see him do his murder preparations. He goes into his studio, uh, getting all ready, getting his black boots on and everything. Those are Chippewa. Ooh, I think they're Chippewa, Chippewa boots. boots. Yeah, isn't that funny? Nice. I'm not 100%, but I thought I saw the emblem on the side. They're, they're pretty sweet looking. That's oh, really good. You can clean glaze off of them so easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Mr. Brooks fucking never wore a work boot in his life. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, this was another tell when they're, when they're driving across the bridge uh, as they're on their way to the murder house. And he's like, this is the last time, Marshall. Understand me, it's the last time. And Marshall's just laughing. I, I kept being like, oh, is this a Portland bridge? Because, you know, we're only like eight minutes in the movie. I'm like, they're on a bridge. It's fucking Bridgetown. There's got to be one in here. And even here, we were both like, that doesn't look like any bridge. Is there, is there any of this actually shot in Portland? Nah, nah. Thought I was going to enjoy myself. Nope, not so much. But off he goes to the the house of this couple, which like a couple of fucking dum-dums, I guess, only put their chain lock on? No, I bet he probably broke in Did the he whole pick way. the other one? I think they wanted to show us how it was. They probably were like, we're going to show one or the other. Show the one that's a little more wacky that he like scoops in. and like Theatrical, yeah. yeah. That's true. I, I would hope. I, I couldn't tell if he had picked the bottom lock, but I'm like, if you guys only left your chain on, well, you kind of deserve to die, right? <laughs> Yikes. And uh, I, I love the collar, like the Dracula look. Dude, <laughs> he villain. looks like Dracula in this scene. Such a villain. Uh, Giant collar up around his neck. Blood, I must have it, Blood. <laughs> 
<laughs> See, you know, that's part of the problem with this too, is that this is the, the first like truly evil villain role that Kevin Costner had been in. And I think he got like a little too excited. <laughs> a little too. <laughs> I want a big black collar. Yeah. I want to be as evil as I can be. Yeah. But again, he, you know, this is where Marshall is like, ah, don't quit on me, piece of shit. Don't turn around. Go back. Go in there. I want to see what they're doing in there. Uh, so does the we, audience, because give us something. <laughs> give us. Give, I need a fucking lifeline. Give us here. a nice little redhead riding this fucking swarthy looking dude. <laughs> Just having a grand old time. Gives your titties a nice little squeeze, which I can appreciate. I like that confidence. You know, it's nice. <laughs> she ain't, you Your know what? She's not ashamed squeeze. of having cute little tits. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, there not you a go. thing. Tits are for carry with pride. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds weird to say it that way, but I think you know what I'm saying. Uh, but anyway, they're humping. She's humping him, and uh, he's like, "Be quiet." I mean, this is like if Pinocchio was a serial killer, it would be him. Just this wooden fucking. <laughs> and then on the quiet. second shot, he just gets the f- like. Is he coming? He's like, Dude, like this weird dance. This fucking and the arms moment. out like. Dude, and th- not a graceful is- man. <laughs> he gets he gets the post nut shivers where he's like, <laughs> like fucking getting the shaky leg, and the stupidest fucking editing where we see him shoot them like two more times, Ugh. but with like fuzzy shaky lens this time, uh, and that's one of those moments too where I'm like, if you really care about the performance and this character. Don't you let the camera just stay on Costner on like on his face while like he just no, like no 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 two thousand seven baby we're going for the three hundred <laughs> thing we got to do what Fight Club did but shittier shaky fucking vibrating camera the music's really weird in this movie too it's really really music really out there it is. Pretty bad, man. Like that. Do you, it does. Do you know who did the music? I don't. You're right, Raymond Jawadi. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I did know who, that. I forgot. Who Sorry. fucking did Westworld? The Game of Thrones theme. Yeah. I mean, so much stuff. Grammy Award winning, pretty renowned. He's amazing. Uh, film He's a great composer. composer. It's great. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, did you just, you really just mailed it in on this one, huh? Like, you just didn't. They were probably like, make it, make it more like 2007, though. He's like, all right. <laughs> He's like, this, this seems more like future thinking and, you know, like, it'll stay evergreen. We really want like a dated kind of half electro, half butt rock, just kind of, yeah, do that. Yeah. Okay. Fuck it. That'll take me five minutes. And then I don't, I, I was so confused by like William Hurt putting his hand in the light. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, he's showing him that the lights out, like the, the blinds are open in the most poetic stage way he could by right. sticking his hand into the light and the light. guiding and guiding him to see it. Well, and also what's silly about this too, he's like, oh, these pigs wanted to fuck with the, the curtains open. This is, this is a unusual mistake for you. You can't be, you know, sloppy like this or whatever. Hmm. And he, it, he has some dumb line where he's like, almost like I want to get caught, Marshall. And then he closes the curtains. But I'm like, how could you, what could you have done about this? W- would you just walk into the room and be like, hold on, guy, before I murder, I'm going to go ahead and close the curtain so nobody fucking see, like, 
what could you, you couldn't have anticipated this. That's kind of just the impossible variables that are involved when, I don't know, you wander into someone's house to kill them. Right, like, right. <laughs> there's a certain amount of, like, shit that you, I don't care how fresh, professional you are. You can't fucking anticipate that. Also, that's like the most conservative serial killer line of all time. These fucking <laughs> pigs do with the windows open as you <laughs> slaughter them. What the fuck? Not like the good stand-up citizen I am blasting people <laughs> through my Ziploc bag. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fuck. Yeah, that's wild. Now that that'd be cool if it was like a like a cult sort of religious type of guy gone bananas. Like you pigs, you fucking killing them. <laughs> like like the lust thing, you know, like uh, right, the like seven. seven guy. So there's a that, there's a movie I want to talk about for a second because oh yeah, that's I, I think I think as we're talking about this as I'm watching some of these scenes for a third time in two days, I'm starting to recall <laughs> that I know what I think the main, I mean, there's, boy, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. Did you say here's the main problem? Because then you think of two other very legitimate that could be just as right. severe problems. Totally. And that's usually a problem with movies. Like, you know, we did midnight special. We were like, all these things we we're talking about. And then the, the, the end was just a little like, ugh, right. But right. overall, it was, solid movie. it was a solid film. Whereas this, I think, you know, outside of the things we've already discussed, one of the problems with it is it's just tonally, it's a tonal like kaleidoscope. Oh yeah. All over the place. It's a, it's really weird. And, and I almost feel like by being a tonal kaleidoscope, that that is almost the consistency of the movie is how tonally wacky it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you, know, you, and you, you, it's uneasy you, when, while you're watching it, it just feels like. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm waiting for the movie to sort of settle down and it just doesn't. That's the best way I can describe it. Right. Right. And honestly, I, I, I really didn't even think this way, even when we started the podcast, even uh, probably even like a year or two into it. But one of the things that I notice way more about movies than ever before watching this many for the, you know, the show and, and for just on my own, just watching them is tone. And if a movie has a kind of consistent tone, sure. like once you really start looking for that, it, it, starts to really stand out. And like Seven is honestly a perfect Oof. example of it, it has this very consistent tone and like dread. And by, it's dread the whole time. It's a, it's a tone of dread. The 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 color palette is very consistent but still change in interesting ways throughout but like kind of returns to a this equilibrium of uh, a specific palette of colors that are there. And even in this movie like some scenes in his house are lit like they're a fucking like sitcom. Like they look like a full house episode or it's like kind of weird and off and then we yeah. cut back to this like darker shit and like even just the look of the movie the dialogue it, it goes from like almost cartoonishly wacky to really dark and serious and it's the fucking overall tone is all over the place and also you cast dane cook what the fuck he's not bad right his he's character not terrible. is terrible he's really not nightmare yeah. though his character <laughs> is the dumbest thing in the whole movie right that's what's kind of, I feel bad for Dan Cook in this situation. When people are like, ah, oh, Dan Cook's such garbage. This movie is just a perfect example of how bad he is. I'm like, it's really not his fault. Like, it's, the, the, it, it isn't. It isn't. Like, the writing of this character is terrible, and Dan Cook was like, he did fine with what He's, he had. He did. He was fine. Yeah. I don't it, really it, pin too much on him. It's the whole character premise that's just ludicrous. So fucking silly. <laughs> but before we even get to that, let's talk about, let's, let's talk about Mr. Brooks asking for forgiveness. And this is sort of Mr. Brooks's tick is this, you know, hands by his face, sort of just mumbly 
you know, he's kind of autistic. Like he rocks. He's like, you know what I mean? He's not like <laughs> right. he gets into this mindset where he's just like sort of rocking and like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And he's like all obsessive and yeah. But, <sighs> but, but it, here's a problem. You're, you're asking him to be this way in front of a kiln after he kills them and be naked with William Hurt in the room. You know, there's a lot of distractions here, right? Yeah, dude, like just as you're talking, it just went to the shot of William Hurt sitting there off to the left. <laughs> Kevin Costner's naked ass just in front of his kiln, just squatting. I'm like, what an awkward day on set. What a fucking weird movie. It's really oh, weird, fuck. man. It's weird, and I would watch it again. That, that, that the movie's so, it's a fucking enigma to me. And, like, you could tell they want this moment, this visual even, to be, like, this darkly poignant, tortured Nothing. man who's, like, asking for forgiveness even, even as he kills for enjoyment. But it just, it's like a 55-year-old naked dude just <laughs> squatting in front of a kiln like he's going to shit. Like, I can't shake it. Like, you didn't sell right. me, man. Right, because we don't get to see the obsession. We don't get to see... No. We, I, I want, we want to see him stalking. We want to see him. That's one of the, well, that's one of the fascinating things about, um, about that, right? Is that's one of the things about Dexter. One of the good things about Dexter is getting his internal monologue because his internal monologue does things like it says, I know I I'm, I'm pretending to be a person here. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm making this. I'm, I'm, I'm trying desperately to understand why this matters to these people. Cause it doesn't mean anything to me. Right. Right. And you, and you, and you start to see, and, and it's not just the voiceover because then you have to watch that guy act and he's a good actor. You have to watch him behave uncomfortably. And it's really hard if you're trying to do a disconnected serial killer who you believe is very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? He's very, collected he's very methodical and calm it's hard to um if i told you you have to be methodically uh, methodical calm and sort of collected serial killer who doesn't really fly off the handle you're you keep your emotions in check you're reserved you move stoically you you have a, a vulcan quality about you yet you like to slash people up you know that's that's a hard bill to sell but if you want to yeah. counterbalance that with the idea of obsessive tendencies obsession perhaps even remorse or guilt um, then, then we need to show more scenes involving that. Costner's biggest moment in this movie is when he is in the kitchen crying about his daughter. And it's yeah. unrelated to the whole movie. So wildly unrelated. Right? Oh, and, and, man, and that's what I mean. Like we're seeing him here with this and in the kiln and, and, and it, maybe, it, maybe it just works better if we get to see him really becoming obsessed with this couple and thinking about it and, and it's sort of haunting his soul. I don't need to see him thinking about blowing them away. Like we're spending more time with the guilt of what he's done than with the, in other words, Kevin Costner's performance is telling me that he's more interested in the guilt of what he has done versus in this compulsion to do what he's done. And in, when you're dealing with the guilt of what he's done, it's just sadly a less compelling narrative for a serial killer film. I'm more interested in watching the guy obsessed who's struggling with that, not the guilt. Right. And it, I mean, you can dive into some of the guilt stuff, but we have to see him r struggling with the the desire that he's guilty about. <laughs> there Whereas is a, in this, 
he's only pulled along back into killing by someone else. There's a television show called The Fall. Um, it was done by Alan uh, Cubit or Cubit. I don't know how to say it. But it stars Jillian Anderson and Jamie Dornan. Jamie Dornan. Oh, yeah. I always yeah. wanted to watch that. Never Jamie Dornan, Dornan is the guy from fucking Shades of Grey. And he's excellent. Interesting. He's excellent. He plays a character named Paul Spector. Jillian Anderson plays a woman named Stella Gibson. And um, and Jamie Dornan is a fucking murderer, a serial murderer. And, and it takes place in uh, in England, up near Ireland, I believe. And um, yeah, man, it's mm. it's really compelling television. See, that's, that sounds like a it, perfect example of what good writing and good direction will get out of an actor because boy, howdy, is he a soulless robot in the Shades of Grey movies. <laughs> right. And that's what, you know, it's like, and that's what one of the things we always have to remember. I, I tend to be easier. You know where this all started? Back when I watched a, an hour and a half interview with Jimmy Kahn when we were covering uh, Rollerball. It really made me, it, like Jimmy Kahn single-handedly in that interview sort of convinced me that most of the actors are pretty fucking competent that are at that level. And it really right. comes down to how well is the script written and then you're asking them to sort of you're you're trying to sell it's like it's like you're asking them to sell this shit you know they're like they become salesmen whereas right. if it's written re- well it's a it's a much different thing right exactly yeah that 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 is true like it's one of those things where no matter how good an actor is they they cannot make and especially if you have an inflexible it's not to director. say there's no bad actors i'm not, i don't want to get oh, crazy sure. but but yeah. generally speaking i find myself more forgiving of them since hearing that interview right Right. And, and it's, it's, I feel like I have a, it's a lot more rare for me to see an actor where I go, Ooh, they're just not good. Like they're delivering, you know, realistic, believable, understandable dialogue poorly. And I'm just Mm -hmm. like, Oh, they just seem bad. They seem off unconvincing. That doesn't happen as much as I'm like, Ooh, that dialogue is just bad. Like it's just like, it's just stupid words for the movie. I I, I will be honest. and, And we've talked about this before. I do like Costner, but I've never really been a huge Costner fan. I, you know, yeah, I'm similar. I think I probably like him maybe slightly more I mean, than Field you. of Dreams, Bull Durham. I mean, you know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, he can be good. He can definitely, he's a talented guy. He um, is. I think, I think when he was younger, I think maybe, 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 maybe when you're in the, in the business 20 something years, it changes you a little bit. You know, I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, but that's to me, the thing that baffles me the most about Costner in this movie is, is not the performance aspect, but him being so excited about the script where I'm like, you directed dances with wolves. You understand <laughs> good storytelling and like Oscar winning storytelling. And like, how, that could just be like, like a bananas what? type of like narcissism though. Yeah, man. I don't know. Cause, cause he's bought into it and like, yeah, I don't know. Has Costner ever gone back on a performance and said, oh, that, he, he's probably like Waterworld was amazing. Right. He's probably one of those guys. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. People don't understand it. I'm not saying he is, but yeah, it, I, I wonder why, like like you're saying, as we try to sort of get to the bottom of his motivation for feeling this way about this movie, it's, it's kind of interesting. And I mean, somebody paid us to cover, and there's a cult following, so clearly it's resonating with people, right? Yeah, man, there's something in here. I mean, because for one, we're only we're still so barely into this movie, and there yeah, are like this, 15 more yeah. plot threads to get yeah, to. Yeah. And not, I that's think not that gonna sort happen. of. That sort of fucking grab bag comic book, and here's another villain, and here's another thing, and here's another thing. Like, that aspect of the movie is part of what makes it, by the time you're halfway through, just 
fucking hilarious. Yes. <laughs> like, it's just, it just becomes fucking silly. Now, I don't know about you, and I don't have a ton of a ton of experience doing. I mean, I have a ton of experience. I have a ton of experience in in so far as uh, you know, sort of skeletal story craft in terms of like RPGs and stuff, right? And one right. of the things you do, and, and and you probably know a little bit about this, having gone to school um, for English, is that you take a whiteboard or you take a piece of paper and you just start writing down things. And what I do is I write down all this shit and I start circling these things. And then I start drawing lines between them and wondering. And and then I start eliminating them. And I feel like with Mr. Brooks, they just didn't eliminate anything. And they just said, let's do all of it. Yeah. I 100% right? like, agree with you there. Like, here, like here's a bunch of index cards, three by fives. Here's a bunch of ideas or scenes. And we're going to lay them out on the table. We're going to talk about them. And, uh, and none of the writers at the table wanted to eliminate any of the index cards. And then whoever was running that shop was just like, all right, we'll use them all somehow. And here's a few more actually to make them all kind of connect. It, it strikes me as one of those, those people who can't, you know, in the famous like maxim about writing, you have to kill your darling. Sure. Like you, have sure. To, you have to be able to shed some things that you like because it doesn't work for the overall story. Yep, and this absolutely, person was like, dude. But I love all my darlings. So yeah, I'll find yeah. a way to make them all fit. You got to be ruthless and in the editing room. Got to right? be ruthless, man. And see, the other, the other weird thing about this movie, kind of like what I was talking about earlier, as far as the movie acts and thinks it's a lot smarter than it is is because it's going for this highbrow tone of this is is. this is a character study about a tortured man and the theme of you know addiction to something so awful and what that says about you and and you know passing that down through your your children and the guilt of i'm like their existence is my fault and blah 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 like it acts like that's what the movie's about but in truth, the movie is far more concerned and interested in fucking plot twists. And yes. like just yes. the, the skeletal, basic, uh, surface level, ooh, and then this happens. And instead, this happens. Like, you can tell they, they spent so much time contorting the fucking ending and, and, and tweaking the script to try and make all the shit make sense to have, like, twisty reveals to where you're like, the character shit gets no time and it barely makes any sense and it doesn't feel consistent. There's no tone because they were just like, well, but we got to make this character be here at this time and this person see them so that we, this part makes sense later, 40 pages down the road. And you're like, fucking who cares about that <laughs> crap when all of you know the, the actual themes you're trying to get to and the characters you're trying to develop just get nothing. They just get no time. Right. <clears throat> It's it's almost like they thought here's here's what we're gonna do. Like you said, we're gonna have this real compelling uh, drama about a serial killer who's grappling with the guilt and obsession, and and sort of uh, he's trying to keep those two things in check with the sanity being the fulcrum, so to speak, right? Trying to keep them in balance, and and uh, and that's that's gonna be what we go for. And then yeah. when they realize that maybe it's part of the, the the dialogue maybe it's part of the acting that it just wasn't compelling enough they started to like you said rely on the twists which mm-hmm. doesn't do anything for the character it, it we, we mr brooks is not interesting at all because he doesn't get anything he doesn't it's it's you know dude we, again I, I can't harp on this enough when you're playing a villain that's one of the most interesting parts of the the balance 
But when right. you're, when it seems like you're balancing a second person, it just becomes less interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when also, like, we have, I think you actually basically nailed it as far as, like, Mr. Brooks doesn't struggle with anything. Correct. Like, he's, they, they depict him as this, like, perfectly competent, he never makes a mistake. And, like, hey, that is kind of interesting. There's something there, but there is still no struggle that he has to overcome because like, it's it, not because it's not a character based struggle it's a plot based no, struggle it's a plot based and the plot based struggle is when dane cook says i have pictures of you killing that couple now suddenly we have a plot point that turns us to act 2 which is going to be how is he going to deal with this and all it does is show us that he's such a cool customer and he's always two steps ahead it doesn't you know what i mean <laughs> exactly. it doesn't it doesn't make you go oh man he's in a Right. It's, 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 it would have been utterly fascinating if by the end of the movie, he, to, to, to gain some sort of moral victory, he just allowed Dane Cook to turn him in because he did have the guilt. Like you could have written that movie, right? Where, you right. know, where he just goes, I don't care. You know, you're right. And you don't have power over me anymore. And I'm going to choose to turn myself in because, because the guilt has won out in the obsession and I'm going to do, the morally right choice, even though I've done the morally wrong choice the whole movie, and and that's how you defeat the Dane Cook villain. Do you know what I'm saying? Right, right. I can't wait to talk, to talk about the problems with the fucking ending of this movie, man. Holy shit! Right. Uh, um, do you want to? What 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 might be easier? I know, I know. You know, scene by scene is tough because this movie has six hundred thousand scenes. So many. Do you want to talk about Demi Moore a little bit before we get into the the big hook, which is really going to be the turn that puts us into the majority of the second act, which Dude, is honestly, Dane Cook's bribery? We can, I think, we can basically address Demi Moore in this movie the same way we address uh, a, a second character subplot on an episode of television. All right, it's I mean, like a, it's so a less fully contained fucking thing. Let Let's talk about Demi Moore. <laughs> let's just dive. Into I it. I like Demi Moore. Yeah, me too. I think she's a good actress. I've I always thought she was super hot, very sexy, lovely, gravelly voice, sucker for long dark hair. <laughs> and yeah. um she's solid. She's uh, dude, she was fine. It's just her story's so dumb. Yeah. And and 100%. It, it's like we get it. She's fucking GI Jane and she's going to pay the husband. We get it. <laughs> we know like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I get it's fine. Like I don't even care that but it doesn't really do anything. And it's like they had to tack on at the end, this moment where they talk on the phone. But right. her her whole story, dude, you could have made a movie with Demi Moore, an interesting movie with Demi Moore tracking a serial killer. Yeah. And then, and then you could have had some sort of subplot within that that she was struggling with herself. But it's like you sort of shoehorned it into this movie and I don't know if it, I don't know if that was, it, it feels like to me, Matthew, pure marketing. <laughs> they didn't really have a compelling woman to put, to, to, to drive up sort of a, a women's interest, right? Demi Moore mm. is a draw. She, she is. I don't know if oh, she yeah. still is. And she's great. And it's like, take Demi Moore out of this movie. It's really just Kevin Costner sort of running around being, you know what I mean? It's. <laughs> She barely matters in this movie, man. She, she feels so tacked on. That's what I mean. So she's tacked on for what reason? I don't know. I could never tell you. I'm just really indulging confirmation bias. 
<laughs> well, and it I, feels I think like do- it, it feels like we need to sell the movie. So let's see if we can cross market a little with a Demi Moore story that other people can relate to. That's just what it feels like to me. Well, and also, and I think it's not even she is that. more relatable, they- by the way. Even dude, Demi Moore is a sixty million dollars in the bank police officer that still feels more relatable than Kevin Costner's character. Absolutely. Oh man, absolutely. Um, but the other side of that too is I think they just needed, it's like one of those tropes that are just like, ah, oh, we just have to have this because how the are we going to get a gun? following the guy. Yeah, of course. Right. Of course. And we need a gunfight. <laughs> we got to get a cop in here. We got to fucking have that. And Which is honestly, irrelevant to, to, to Mr. Brooks. Totally. For, entirely irrelevant. Entirely. Um, it's just a mindless action scene to wrap see, up a subplot for a secondary character. Oh, it's so stupid. But but no, even in her, her introduction, when we first see her at the the first crime scene of the couple and she's investigating it, the way they establish her and the way I an thought expert. the movie was going to go, she's an expert yes. on the thumbprint killer. Yes. And I actually thought that was interesting. I was Me like, too. she knew all of his patterns. She And for one, I was enjoying the detail in this movie that I see a lot of other kill, serial killer, you know, detective mystery movies not miss. Like the fact that he cleaned the entire apartment, removed all this stuff, removed the vacuum bag he cleaned it with. We see him go home, you know, this is earlier, but we see him go home and like take off the boots and clean them outside. Like he is, they do a good job. None of it matters. It doesn't matter, but they do a good job showing how methodical he is. And I like seeing how aware she was of how methodical he was and knowing that those were his his signatures. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. Okay, so it's going to be a kind of two-hander story about this is the singularly obsessed detective going after the killer who's singularly obsessed with his killing. She was going to be sort of the Morgan Freeman, if you, if it pleased to continue the seven comparison. (laughs) Totally. And, and I, I knew Dane Cook was in this movie. That's honestly all I knew about this movie going in, that it's the movie with Kevin Costner where he kills people and Dane Cook's in it. I didn't know Demi Moore was in it until I started watching it. So I, for me, this was almost a pleasant surprise at first. I was like, Oh, Demi Moore's in this and she's a fucking detective and she's after him. Okay. I'm kind of like, that sounds cool. And boys, it just spiral out of control from there. Uh, but because like because the movie the movie lacks a cat and mouse serial killer cop. Right, that doesn't right. exist. There's no through line on that. Mm-mm. It's in, in like you said. It's almost like they want to establish it up front. The cat and mouse is between Dane Cook and Kevin Costner's characters. Yes, yeah, that's the problem. And, and, and that's not a struggle. So, that's not no. that. There's no moral grappling here, it, <laughs> dude. Can we? Are, are you trying to tell a tale of of obsession and uh, of guilt, or are you trying to tell an intellectual battle of cat and mouse, a la Sherlock Holmes? Like, what do you? What kind of movie do you want to do? Yeah. And honestly, man, the thing that shocked me the most about Dane Cook's character. I mean, I guess. I, I guess we fuck it. We can just kind of dive into that too. Like, well, let's let's. Do you want to hold on, Dane Cook? Demi? Let's wrap on Demi. All right, all right. Well, yeah, because by the way, her performance is fine in this movie. Again, yeah, it's fine. She's, like, she's fiery. She's strong. I think she's got a. She seems to have a pretty decent sense of humor. Yeah, um, dude, she puts on her work boots and she goes she into set every day and she fucking puts in the work, saying these dog shit lines and comes home does. and washes her hands with lava soap and fucking just tries to go to bed and be like, tomorrow's <laughs> gonna be better. Tomorrow, they're gonna she be gets better the brush. Script. She gets the brush out on the fucking fingernails. Yeah, man. To she get gets the, the engine pumice grease. stone on the feet. Just fucking, <laughs> oh, I just gotta just keep myself in shape. Fucking, yeah. the, maybe the script will be better tomorrow. The pages are gonna be better. She keeps putting in that work, and this movie's just not helping her at all. It's not, because essentially, after we establish her sort of expertise, we uh, we get to, I believe, she's in a deposition of sorts. 
which is the divorce hearing. <laughs> the fucking, the social network, but lame scene. Oh man. <laughs> Dude, that shit, that shit, that shit is the most low budget soap opera y looking shit in the movie. It's kind of wild. Are you like, talking about when they're at the table discussing the divorce oh, terms? Oh yeah. Yeah. They fucking look like cartoon characters. It doesn't yeah. need, like her yeah, exactly. husband. The fucking smarmy, like, 90s slick back hot guy hair he's got. I was like, come on. <laughs> this is, what the fuck is this? Like, we were, she, we just saw her, like, being an expert detective on a crime scene. And, like, two minutes later, she's fucking dealing with this, like, Ken doll idiot fucking silly, ah, we want your money, and I'm obviously fucking the new lawyer. <laughs> it's so dumb. Right. So stupid, man. Right. Because remember, any scene with Demi Moore in it, we what we want to do is we want to learn more about Demi Moore's character. And hopefully what we learn about that character matters in the plot or at least in some sort of personal struggle that she's going to overcome by the end of the film or not. And it just becomes utter right. buffoonery. Right. So like, I mean, I guess to just kind of run through her character's like- She's got 60 million in, in the bank. Her dad wanted million? a boy. Okay. Yeah. She's and a she's cop. Getting, she's a fucking homicide detective mm-hmm. in Portland, murder capital USA, baby. <laughs> fucking mean streets. Um, actually, there are a lot of machete attacks out here, weirdly enough. <laughs> Specifically machete. I, I'm not even kidding. It's weird. Anyways, um, so she's out here being a fucking detective. She's actually rich. And in the middle of all this, another serial killer she put away called the Hangman escapes. And they try to tie that back into her getting divorced where they're like, you know, her shitty husband, ex-husband who's divorcing her is like, well, I feel at danger because of you, my connection to you, and he might come after me to try and endanger me to make you give us more money. Boy, you know your movie plot is getting silly Oof. when it's that fucking hard to even say. But why why draw attention off of the her her, her obsession could have been your theme. Right. right it could have been her saying. obsession with catching him and his obsession with doing what he does, right? That's 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 not original. It's just the no. way serial killer movies sometimes go. And <laughs> and instead, when you when you introduce the hangman, what you do is you you draw her attention away from Brooks, and we right. lose that cat and mouse fun of this kind of film. And see, uh, going back to even kind of like the tone issue again, that that ties into the whole like they shift the tone when it comes to the hangman. Like they're trying to capture this whole like he's the more like wild, insane version of of Mister Brooks. He's like the messy, reckless, gross seven version of a serial killer. Um, and it, it just fucking goes nowhere. Like eventually, I mean, to, to honestly, to tie up their whole fucking thread, she starts questioning, uh, you know, Dane Cook's character because he, you know, she realizes he is a neighbor to Mister Brooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, or not to Mr. Brooks, but to the people he killed. That seems to go nowhere, but then she starts to realize he probably is no, knows more than he says. The hangman tries to abduct her. She gets away. Uh, the cops, I think, are even kind of pressuring her to not keep investigating. That, that is outrageous, that. We can't go by that. Oh, man. So so oh, man. Captain Lister, by the way, with a Bluetooth in her ear, fucking stop. The entire movie. Come on, man. So the captain... <laughs> is getting involved in her divorce. I want an update on your divorce. What are you talking about? First of all, illegal. 
<laughs> it's not your place to tell me. It's it's utter insanity. Like she, and it's not out of concern. It's out of warning if she can handle her job professionally. Dude, people get divorces all the time and still get up and go to fucking work. Like you, right. you this woman is a is a detective in Portland. So she's done some work. She doesn't have to be there. If you want to take the dumb, dumb fucking money plot, you know, she doesn't have to be there and she is. And you're going to, you're going to ask her about her personal life. Dude, it is outrageous. If this was a guy, oh my God, this, <laughs> she gets away with it because it's abroad. If this was a guy saying, keep me updated as to your divorce. Yeah. Yeah. You got to keep me in the loop on that. Come on now. It's ludicrous. But dude, that, that fucking hangman, like that. I, it's been so long. It's probably since I watched The Room for the first time, where a plot element scene, whatever, came so far out of left field. Where I was like, "What the fuck just happened to this movie?" Like, I have no idea what's going on right it's, now. It's and it's a it's a superhero movie. <laughs> it turns into a fucking superhero. It, movie. That that's a superhero plot. A superhero plot is the hangman has escaped from prison and is going after from the Arkham. hero. Dun, 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 right, dun. right. The, the yeah. hangman has escaped from Arkham and is going after the plucky and heroic woman <laughs> that put her there. It's because so true. It's, that's the most outrageous thing in real life. Do you know what a convict does when they get out of jail? They stay far away from the police. They fucking run. They don't, they, want any, they don't want anything to do with a cop. Because if that fucking cop uh, gets a tummy ache, that guy's going to get fucking hauled in. And, that, <laughs> and this hangman guy, you, you ain't hiding anywhere. You don't think there's a parole guy looking out for you. You don't think there's other cops who, know where this, who, know, who knows this guy's whereabouts all the oh, time. Yeah. The fact that he just gets out, gets in a van, and just throws a homicide detective into a van to kidnap and torture and hang her. What? fucking ah. batman movie is this <laughs> what shitty jerry bruckheimer unproduced batman sequel did we just fucking stumble it's into that that is just outrageous it's dude i but again i i i know we've been kind of hard on it this whole time i do not want i do not want to be mis, misinterpreted i fucking enjoyed the hell out of this Dude, I will is, watch this fucking movie again. It's so funny. Dude, I laughed so hard through the entire scene of this whole fucking van thing. It is outrageous. Oh, she has oh, a retention so holster. I don't know if you noticed that. So he must have known to push the button to pull the pistol out. And then they're just <laughs> bombing around Portland in a van. And he's like saying I was going to fuck her or rape her or whatever. And the, the, the his old lady driving is going to get a chance. And this guy's huge, man. And. She manages to claw him and fight her way out of an impossible situation. This is utter nonsense, too. <laughs> right? G.I.J. training aside. G.I. training aside. The one fighting thing in this scene that I actually enjoyed was her grabbing that bitch's hair from behind yes. while she's driving and yanking her head back. I was like, ah, it's actually kind of badass. Right. Um, because because once the car, once the van goes askew, like the, the rules of the fight change a lot because people are getting jostled around. Oh, yeah. You Hard. Know? But. I mean, Demi Moore is a, a small lady. <laughs> this guy's like sitting on her chest. But whatever, it doesn't matter. It's fine. But it's just, oh, man. It, it's, it's a superhero not, I mean, kind of like gets, This is, is she the Punisher? <laughs> you know, it's like, dude, she gets hurled through the oh, fucking boy. air like a rag doll, probably 40 feet into the, just the windshield of a parked car. 
And we cut away to some other boring ass fucking scene of Dane Cook and Kevin Costner waiting into in a, a windshield, car, which okay. is a solid forty five percent of this movie, by the way. Right. <laughs> um, but then the next time we see her, she's just like, ah, I got a cut of my eyebrow. Like that's it. Mm-hmm. It's fucking it. This so the Demi silly. Moore, the Demi Moore shit, her hitting the windshield. That's like her fucking Riggs moment after Riggs gets shot with a twelve gauge. <laughs> Exactly. Just kind of get up and dust it off. Oh, damn! Yeah, <laughs> fucking smarts. Um, and then so so let's just wrap on the Demi Moore stuff, and then we'll we'll go oh, through yeah. the through line proper. Um, we can save the Demi Moore like Dane. Anytime she interacts with our people, that's why we can just do this because she doesn't, except for once <laughs> when she's like certain it's it's Dane Cook, right? But after she gets trounced, I believe next she goes to interact with him, right? And she just oh. believes he knows something more than he's letting on. Right. And this is after that spicy phone call she has with her own lawyer and that picture my ex-husband wanted that he wanted me to look for. She smashes oh, the boy. on a fucking like dresser. Tell him I couldn't find it. Hmm. Yeah. Ugh. Soap opera bullshit. Anyways. Yeah. But yeah, she confronts Dane Cook, uh, I believe on, the, this is like where he's in his parking garage. Yeah, And she'd already questioned him at his apartment, and now she's questioning him here. Right, because she believes he knows something more about the crime. And we know he does because he's blackmailing Mr. Brooks. Um, good interactions between these two. It's fine. Her partner's fine. ludicrous. The fucking hat. Knock it off. What are you, a je- What are you in Treme? Are you a jazz musician? <laughs> are you in fucking New Orleans? Knock it off. That's what I'm saying, man. So dumb. <laughs> like, okay, he's a black homicide detective, so he's got to have, like, aviators and a fedora. <laughs> we get it. We get it. He's a black. Movie we, we get it. Fucking chill on that. <laughs> God. Fucking so silly. Anyway, but, um, and then Demi Moore after after that interaction she they get the search warrant on is this the the fucking house of uh the chiropractor of the hangman he's learning like a drug lab dude honestly this plot like who the name of this person she even says it in the scene she's like it's such a fucking terrible line too like there's no way anyone on earth i not even daniel day lewis can make this fucking line sound good where she's like the after the body of this person swings down attached to the chair and she's like ah meet alvin hutchinson (laughs) i'm like that's a dead person fucking hanging there yeah that's your line (laughs) that yeah again tone of this movie what the fuck you crack a joke every because her 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 through line is a comic book film. We've already established this. It really is. This is like early days of Marvel where they're trying to be dark and edgy. Oh, that's so true. Oh my God. This is right? like 2003 Punisher shit. Yes, it is. Oh my God. You're fucking dead on. You're exactly correct. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh so bad. And then can we just talk about her shootout and kind of just be done with the Demi Moore stuff? Because it really, sadly, it doesn't matter. It's a It's a bit of a misuse of her character huge misuse um the only other thing i was gonna say about that scene is we even when she says the name like oh well here he is here's alvin hutchinson or whatever i was like who the fuck's alvin hutchinson i don't what that's who you were looking for chiropractor that was giving the hangman steroids it's a comic book because it explains his great strength and rage like guys i don't think you know how steroids work in real life (laughs) Exactly. This is in nineteen eighty three. They're man. not power juice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're fucking- like just giant, just giant pumps 
like Bane. <laughs> of like glowing neon green liquid. <laughs> ah, yes. these anabolic steroids have given me the ability to <laughs> dive through a house. <laughs> like what? That's not <laughs> drugs do specific things, you know? You can't um, just make it up. Another uh, in in one of the last scenes involving Demi Moore before she blows those guys away in that I guess Matrix scene um, <laughs> is when her partner is gonna arrest her. No, he yeah. isn't. Nah, he's gonna say, nah. "Hey, they're looking for you." He's not gonna take her into custody. That's so retarded. It's so stupid, man. Because and she I, killed her husband. Uh, really? And you're gonna do a physical confrontation with her, dude? It's such, this is a comic book movie, this part. It's I'm utter, almost, utter nonsense. I'm almost convinced now. I mean, I, there's really, funnily enough, and maybe not surprisingly, there's Your not husband much. said, get the fuck out, she says. <laughs> get Are you kidding? Out. Nice, I keep the five mil. <laughs> um, but no, weirdly enough, uh, there's really not much behind the scenes shit about this movie. Like surprisingly little. There, there's not too much out there. And part of me feels like it's a you, bit. Were of, you trying to learn the process of the screenwriter? I wanted to hear <laughs> more about it because I was like, this movie is fascinatingly bad. But there's not much. Um, but I really do, especially as we're talking about it more. I'm starting to get the feeling, and obviously it's just me hypothesizing. I, I don't know. But I get the feeling that maybe the original script really was a much tighter focus on like Mr. Brooks and his daughter and Dane Cook's character, and that's it. And the studio was like, nah, 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 this is a serial killer movie. We got to have like a spunky cop in there. And they just like fucking made them add this shit Mm -hmm. because it is truly, it's not just like, oh, it feels thrown in and kind of disconnected. It is so utterly separate. From the it like, is. they try to connect it at two or three little points, and it's literally just like, "Oh, Mr. Brooks sees the hangman." That's it. Like, there's no act, there's no conversation, there's no you know overlapping of their stories. The hangman getting involved with his killings or, or anything. No, he just like, "Oh, I saw that character who's in Demi Moore's story." Like, there's mm-hmm. no connection. No. It is truly just like a separate. Like, they just grafted an arm onto their fucking Frankenstein. Like, it's just <laughs> a separate thing entirely. It's so uh, weird. Dr. Frankenstein, I don't mean to be too presumptuous, but perhaps a third arm will make it difficult for him to fit in. I don't care. I don't care. Third arm out of his head. <laughs> and they dig mm. on his knee. I think it is funny. Do you want to talk about our girl uh, doing fucking zigzags in the strobe light with the cool music? Oh, baby. You know why that happened? Like, why it looks the way it does? And I'm sure they thought this was... Because she shot the lights instead of the people trying to kill her? (laughs) There... Nobody there does that, that, but that doesn't happen in... Not, this, this, is, this is more cop... This is more a comic book nonsense. Comic book nonsense. She shoots um, the lights to gain a tactical advantage instead of just shooting them as they're hunched over in the hallway. Right? Dude, but no, listen to this. This is another fantastic IMDb trivia. Uh, and I'm sure they thought this was so cool at the time. During the shootout between Detective Atwood, Meeks, and Sarah, mm-hmm. didn't even know that bitch's name, in the darkened hotel hallway, the flashes of light that appear were created by a lighting rig hooked up to an audio trigger, which was programmed to respond to the sound of their gunshots. The, the actors blanks. were essentially directing their own lighting. How <laughs> fucking insane is that? Like, dude, they hold thought, on. Like, That's deep, 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 deep up an ass. 
<laughs> so deep because that is a case, a pure case of like the technology of what we're capable of doing being like totally overriding of like, does this make sense to do? <laughs> like, <laughs> like they have the power to do like, it's, they needed Jeff Goldblum to be here to be like, but <laughs> should you, you can, but should no you? That's funny. <laughs> Because it's fucking nonsense. It looks fucking terrible. Why would the lights go off with the gunshot? Like some some fucking lighting rigging dude came up with that that rig and just was like, "Isn't that fucking cool?" And the director was like, "Ah, that's cool. Let's fucking make that." <laughs> Makes no sense, though. I have an idea. Since no one else besides the actors are working in the movie, let's have them do the lighting too. <laughs> Let's let's pawn off more work. <laughs> God damn. And then they blow themselves away. And that's pretty much her until the end. So we'll save that for the end. But let's go through the story proper. Dane oh, Cook no. is blackmailing this guy. Indeed. And this is ridiculous. You're a <laughs> photographer who now wants to be taken on a kill. You're also <laughs> interested in serial killing? Mm. It's a stretch. He's talking it's about it's not an impossible stretch. It's not, but it's but it's a stretch. It's a real stretch, man. And it's a stretch where he's just like, oh, the rush. <laughs> That's it. That's the reason. Oh, the mm. rush. Uh, but and, and they try to right away a few, few things like this really quickly. But it's one of those times where it's like if you pause and think about it, you're like, no, that you you tried to hand wave me on this, and that's a detail that you can't hand wave away. Because when he comes into you know when Mr. Brooks sees the pictures that are this, actually, what does Mr. Smith think is going to happen? Right. And see, th- th- here's the problem. Like, so when he comes in there and Mr. Brooks sees the pictures and that's when he calls in Smith because he's like, oh, fuck, he has pictures of me killing these people. He can expose me. The problem is- At least him at the crime scene. <laughs> right. And, and all Smith says in this scene is, and hey, if anything happens to me, those pictures are going to get out. And that's it. And they just kind of move on. And I'm like, how? How? How am I supposed to believe some random schlubby looking photographer, photography dude has the means to, when your heartbeat stops, these pictures are going to automatically send to fucking what? The Washington Post? That's like, how it always you, is in these movies. You, you have Anything that happens up, to huh? me, you this do? goes right to the papers. I'm like, really? How? <laughs> By what means are you going to fucking achieve that? Like, I could even, I could even believe him if he was like, I have a fucking email server set up, to, you know, on a timer, and it's going to send these pictures out to the police if I don't go home to, you know, at a certain time and turn that off. So, like, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to have to let me leave at least or something, something like something. You can not just uh, these pictures will get out if you kill me because if I'm Mr. Brooks, I go how? Mm-hmm. Who else knows? How, how do you have that set up at all? What if what if we get compromised and in, 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 in arraigned or questioned at the minimum, detained, and you can't get back to your password thing? That's gonna you know like at what right. point? Like what is the mechanism for the trigger? Totally no, yeah. and I feel like if this is, it's not even it's hard to even say because it's so fucking far away from real life. But if this is real life, Mister Brooks is just like, well, okay, man, yeah, you've got me in a corner. I, I guess this is it. Well, I'll see you tomorrow night. And then the second he leaves his office, he starts following him, follows him back to his place and fucking blows his brains out. And that's the end of that. <laughs> that that's that. Fuck this guy. Like, I'm not going to play your game. You don't have shit set up. You don't have, you're, you don't have fucking countermeasures on me. Yeah, like this spycraft shit. And like, in, this in is the, also- Some of the dialogue here is, is pretty rough where, where Cosmo's oh, like, yeah. 
I must warn you. Oh, right. Who decided? If it turns out that you enjoy killing, it can become very addictive. What are you talking about? Who the fuck? Nobody talks like this. Why is he in a bow tie and glasses, Dean? Because why is he in a polka dot? Because he's a respected businessman, and he has to keep up appearances to sell boxes to Japanese people. He's a murderer. Who also have expensive uh, daughters. (laughs) Oh, that scene is so bad. Oh, it's so bad. Well, it's next. (laughs) This fucking murder nerd with his bow tie. I just have it frozen on there. I'm just like, ah. Who, what costume designer was like, yeah, that's it. That's the alter ego. This is the Clark Kent to his Dexter. (laughs) And then we see, now that we've introduced this very interesting plot, Point with Mr. Smith, i.e. Dane Cook, we then get this amazing moment where Mr. Earl Brooks breaks into Mr. Smith's apartment, showing him how vulnerable he is. <laughs> so not really struggling with all this whole thing. He immediately has the upper hand. We never really feel like, and maybe that's by design because Mr. Brooks is supposed to be competent, but you never really feel like Smith has Brooks by the balls. No. Not even a little. You really don't. Which makes me go, okay, let's get back to the main struggle, which is him balancing obsession and guilt. Oh, no, I guess we haven't pointed out to you at this point. His daughter, his daughter's come home. I've quit college, daddy. I want to be a part of the family business. And he's like, I think you should go to college to figure out who you are and find something you like. How old is she? Danielle Panabaker in this? Oh, I'm pretty pretty sure she's um, nice. No, yeah, I think she's, she's like 19. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. I have no fucking idea. Actually. Fine. <laughs> she's a freshman in college. Yeah, she whatever is, that is. She's, she's real handsy with her old man. She must be watching uh, Pornhub. Yeah. No, that was another weird Did you catch element. that? <laughs> Absolutely. I thought no. she was a little handsy with the old man. She sits on his lap as a, I'm like. I mean, what, she doesn't no, straddle him, but. Dude, that is, you know? but that is. That is such movie trope bullshit that no daughter in real life does with their dad. Like, they're like, daddy, this is my daddy, and I sit on my dad. I'm like, you are, bitch, you are 20 years old. What the (laughs) fuck are you doing? Why are you sitting in your father's lap and taking his glasses off and putting them on you? Oof. No one. No, if I saw anyone I knew you telling me you want to fuck. (laughs) Sit on my lap, playing with my glasses, getting cutesy. Mr. Brooks has a whole new kind of problem on his hands. (laughs) So that's where the guilt stems from. I'm just not that into you, daughter. His overwhelming desire to plow her. But uh, yeah, so she's home. Fine. We'll come back to her. Mm. So Brooks is menacing Smith. (laughs) Wakes him up in his bed. Basically, you know, trying to intimidate him of like, oh, remember, I can fucking get in here. We need to start trusting each other. He basically just said our friendship is one-sided, and now it's not anymore. Mm-hmm. You have to show up, or else I'll presume you've gone to the cops, and I will kill you. And bring everything. Yeah, that's right. Bring your memory card, bring all the copies of the photos, bring everything. Yep. Pretty unsettling shit. <laughs> now, the one thing, and again, this is the thing that the movie actually cares about. I'm assuming this is also the scene, because we see, very briefly, Mr. Brooks making a copy oh boy. of... Of, I think, either his house key or his safety deposit 
box key, which, you know, I think it's Marshall earlier who's like, ah, he probably keeps the other photos in a safety deposit box, probably in the same bank as his checking account, which again, are all actually pretty astute observations, which because this is the only thing the movie actually cares about, this plot Mm -hmm. shit. They're like the murder mystery cat and mouse surface level What's the next move? Kind of, but it's not between the police officer in the in the criminal. It's between a comedian, (laughs) a comedian, and Kevin Costner. But also, I think it is probably in this scene where uh, Mr. Brooks finds his gun and bends the firing pin. I think that sure happens. Yeah. So yeah, you want to talk about you want you want to talk about the uh, about pregnant Jane? Pregnant Jane. This is a scene for the ages. Oh man! But yeah, the, the craziest thing about this scene too is within the space of I don't know, I know. two minutes. I know they go dude. from mom clawing her hair out like I can't believe you've done this and wrecked your life to they're like, oh, we're gonna be grandparents, Huzzah. dude. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> what are your values? Like, what do you care about? <laughs> you just turned on a fucking dime. Is is this scene? Does this scene, I wondered about this scene a lot. Does it exist so we can, does it exist so we can see Brooke struggling with normal life? Like it's, I don't know. <laughs> it's, I The, the daughter I stuff know. is dumb, dude. It's. The it's serial terrible. killer, oh God. <laughs> God, it's about to get really crazy. It's about <laughs> to get really crazy, this movie. More crazy than it already is. Oh yeah. And I mean, what's crazy too <laughs> This is probably another scene where, like, me and Jess are both just, like, dying laughing because the dialogue is just, like, all over the fucking place. And he goes, there will be no abortion, Jane. And I was like, whoa, this movie's going to get weird and dark in a whole different direction that I did not anticipate. But then he's like, (laughs) because conservative killer. <laughs> it's like what is about to happen? Is this movie going to end in him bombing a Planned Parenthood? Like what the fuck is happening? It's just a and juxtaposition then, of his murderous ways. Yet <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. The anyway, of the unborn, though, Jane. <laughs> and then they're like, but like you said, this shit oscillates real quick. It is. I mean, wow. I mean, it it gives you whiplash because, like, the whole scene is, like, it's set up with him coming downstairs into this awkward, fraught moment between mother and daughter. And, and, you know, this is, like, some family drama. And he already knows that she's dropped out and the mother's obviously just now learning. And, you know, then the the twist of this scene – God, this movie fucking loves a Shyamalan twist – is, oh, actually, she's pregnant. And it just turns from him being upset about that and upset about kind of, like, her revealing this the way she has to just being, like – and that will be the greatest gift you've ever given to me, your oh, mother man. and I. We can't wait to raise it. Uh, everyone hug. And, I was like, Whoa, and she's like, I'm going to think about it. And I'm like, for how long? <laughs> Fuck. Kind of on a timer here, man. It, and it this is, is just dumb. So that doesn't mean anything. Bonkers. Doesn't mean a thing. And they try and to it's end also it on a this lie. Whole... She's not actually pregnant. It was right? her cover for being a killer. See, that's what I kept thinking about too. And the movie ends is on the only thing more outrageous than her <laughs> being pregnant in that conversation is that it was a bullshit lie because she's also a serial killer. <laughs> 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 and we're gonna do that, says the movie maker. We're gonna do that. <laughs> like Mr. Brooks's choice at the end hinges on her being pregnant, and she probably fucking isn't 
And we she never bother to fucking find out any of that shit. Because the movie doesn't fucking care. <laughs> It just doesn't care. <laughs> the movie, this movie is just a dude like f- trying to fuel a fire. And the only thing that fuels that fire that keeps his family alive and warm at night is plot points. And he's just shoveling them, just shoveling <laughs> plot points. And like, I just got to get them all in. Just keep going. Kids, my kids are going to fucking freeze and die if I don't get every mm. plot point into the fire. He's, and by a, the he, end, he's, he's shoveling the plot points are, are like the coal of the fucking locomotive he's trying to get moving here <laughs> exactly it's crazy <laughs> just can never burn enough of them all right oh, let's talk a- about a scene i actually think is okay <laughs> that is not terrible brooks brooks and atwood demi moore in the house together oh when she's kind of retracing his steps. yes yeah and he's there at the same time wait what no he's not what you mean that scene where she's talking about like the phone line and how he didn't trip over it is he not? Because I, it was raining. <laughs> oh, dude, I, he's not. It's oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. It's raining, though. It's raining in her scene, too. Uh, yeah. But it wasn't because raining the night hey, he Dean, killed him. Hey, Dean, because, you know, that's a signature of Portland. <laughs> no, it wasn't raining the day he killed him. Why is it raining now? Wait, was it not? The day he killed him? It wasn't raining. A, if not, then this is a continuity error because this is all supposed to be his. She's thinking about what he did on the night he killed these people and retracing his steps, and it's all cutting back to like moments of him being there. He's not in there with her, and if it if it and if it's okay. showing rain when it cuts to his flashbacks of her standing in here, then that's like a fucking continuity error because he's not here. Huh? Maybe I'm not. Maybe there isn't rain. Maybe I'm making that part up. Like it's you're talking about the part. It, it's clearly raining before she goes in because she's standing out there. And oh yeah, I thought and the when scene ends with her looking him, out the window, and like rain's pouring down. And this is wow, another it's just a flashback. Yeah, <laughs> the movie tricked you, Dean. Whoa! Although and I watched the, the, this shit twice. <laughs> I mean, this movie though is confusing as shit because it's it doesn't make sense. It pretends to. But no, the stupidest thing about this scene, because actually some of the look, like the visual look of her wandering through this place by herself and thinking about his it, stuff, I'm like, I, it's, it's annoying because, I'm sorry, let me just say this. It's <laughs> shot as if he's contemplating what she's saying out loud. I'm going to have to look at it. <laughs> let's dive into d- this. D- d- where have you been, question mark? He closes his eyes. Did you miss the thrill of killing, she says. And we're slow fucking, we're, we're, we're pulling in tight on him. I, yeah. I don't know, maybe they're just trying to be cute. They are. <laughs> they're trying to be cute you are correct and she rips open the, the the she rips open the things and it's raining yeah maybe it's not showing rain in his scenes now that i'm watching more closely and but see, it's 100 percent uh, raining in hers this is and it's a small <clears throat> thing but this is one of the dumbest fucking parts of this entire movie you know why <clears throat> because they're trying to do this whole thing where they're like this is our genius spunky hyper-focused detective who's picking up clues the other ones aren't but they ruin it because this the, the first clue she makes here that makes her realize she needs to question uh, the neighbors, which you know ends up being uh, Smith. Yes, you know because she looks up and sees the windows that have a view. She knocks on a bunch of doors, which a detective would do. But no, no, no. But the the thing that leads her to that is she goes, well, maybe because these curtains are drawn stuck so hard, you were the one that closed them, and then opens them up and looks up to yeah, the windows, and that's, that's what she, but I'm like. Anyone could have done that. 
earlier in this movie, she asked the other detective, were these curtains closed when you guys got here? And he was like, yeah. So I'm like, that could, that could have been anybody. That doesn't mean the killer did it. That doesn't mean fucking anything. But they just wanted the scene so bad of her being there and like figuring it out. But the craziest part is, it, like a couple scenes from here, she talks to another neighbor in that building, the same one that Smith lives in. And they're like, oh yeah, they, they, I can see their window all the time. And they always have their curtains open and they're fucking. And so she could have just figured it out from that. Correct. I'm like, why didn't you just... <laughs> Why didn't you just figure it out there? You had to have a fucking, like, tropey-ass, stereotypical scene of the lone detective stalking the crime scene, figuring mm-hmm. it out. I'm like, that's so stupid. With uh, a giant fucking window right there, it, you would you would still go to that apartment building and hell knock on yes. doors. I'm like, but that's not a, a fucking, like, hidden clue. You just right. like, what places have a view of this window? Right, <laughs> like, right. That would just be a thing you check. Because it doesn't... Whether the blinds are open and or closed doesn't matter. The killer could have done either. So we might either. as well go knock on doors. Right. <laughs> We're getting paid, aren't we? I mean, we got fucking 40 <laughs> hours fucking plus job. overtime here. Let's go work. Oh, man. That's so fucking funny. <laughs> it's just so... They, again, thinks it's so much smarter than it actually is. They're like, ah, this will be the reveal. I'm like, that's not a... That's a stupid thing. That doesn't make any sense. Yep. Ugh. God. All right, let's talk about Smith and and Brooks in the car, in the rain. That's it. And now he's like, I'm going to, you know, we're going to, I'm going to teach you how to kill people. And obviously he gives him an envelope, which we know isn't going to be all the copies, which of course, why would it be? Mr. Smith has a point. You could just turn a gun and shoot me in the neck right now. It's not like. (laughs) Yeah. This is supposed to be some little like quick exchange between them or he's like, oh, you know, I realize you didn't actually do what I said and bring me everything. But I understand your thinking, and that's why we we each have a you know a little bit of a card up of our own sleeves, and I respect that about you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, I think you just kill him. <laughs> He's a killer who doesn't want to go he, to jail. Here's a good line in this movie, which could have really could have really set us off on a path of interesting storytelling possibilities. I don't do this because I enjoy it. I do it because I'm addicted to it. That's the story. That's, that's the, the real story. story. Yeah, one hundred percent, man. Doesn't really get told, though. Nah. Nah. And then he's like, I vowed I'd never kill again. Shut up. That's dumb talk. So this is your party. <laughs> yeah, this is your night. You're going to pick the guy. Hey, also, real quick, by he, the he way. He could have just said, I don't, I, don't do this because I, I, I don't do this because I don't enjoy it. I do it because I'm addicted to it. And tonight it's going to be your party. Like, that's what a person would say. He's not going to say everything he's thinking. Right. Every single thing. Before you entered my life, I vowed that I would never kill Ugh. again. Ugh. So this is your party. <laughs> and I'm telling Fuck you that because off. we didn't really establish that up front. Yeah. That this is why he wants to go along with him. And also, I mean, it, the movie actually doesn't even do a great job establishing whether or not Mr. Smith wants to kill someone or, or, or wants witness. to watch Mr. Brooks kill someone. Right. Even that is like not established because guess what? The movie doesn't care. Doesn't give a shit about that. It's it's just the plot points. What do, you, what do you think there. of the road rage stuff, Matt? <laughs> no one in Portland drives that aggressively. Uh, but I do think it was funny that he, I, I liked, this is actually probably the, my favorite moment out of Dane Cook's character. He's like, hell yes, let's kill. I've always wanted to kill somebody who fucked me over on the road. I'm like, that's <laughs> actually kind of funny. Like, 
Yeah, I could see this. If this if this is the person we have, a person who saw some, a serial killer murder someone and got excited about the idea and is blackmailing them to let them come a, on a kill-along, I'm like, yeah, he probably would be excited about that possibility. Um, but the some movie... Of the, some of the goofy laughing, too, man. Like, the like before he gets in the car, they're laughing about him getting hit by a car. I'm like, God, Jesus, Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like, maybe you'll just get hit by a car. We don't have to deal with all this. <laughs> also, though, William Hurt's the only person having fun in this movie. Absolutely. William Hurt's definitely having He's fun. Like, Give me my fucking movie check, and I'm going to laugh. Give me that check. Give me a cool black suit. I'm going to fucking eat peanuts and have a great time. <laughs> I don't give a shit. But, um, dude, so, the craziest part about the, this whole Dane like Cook, the stalking mechanic here. Yeah, this whole character... All he does for the rest of the movie until he gets fucking killed by Mr. Brooks is wait for Mr. Brooks. Yes. They don't do anything else. He's just, I, I wait for him and it constantly gets delayed. It's like he got rained out of a football game and he's waiting for them to fucking reschedule it. And that's the whole fucking story. <laughs> well, they, uh, they moved it back again. Damn. That's your plot? That's your plot for this fucking character? Mm-hmm. And yeah, he has to talk to, you know, Demi Moore's cop like twice. And it's just... The, the dialogue between these guys is just baloney. Oh, like, God. it's like he's giving them spy training, right? What's, what's, the, what's the license plate? Do you want to kill the driver or the owner? Dude, that line makes no fucking sense. Do you want to no. kill the driver or the owner? I'm like, is this I, a trick question? Like, I was like, what do you mean? We're going to kill the person who cut you off in the truck right now, a.k.a. the driver. What do you mean? Are, are we going to find out the registration, go back to the person's house and kill everyone there? What are you talking about? <laughs> that's a line again that they thought just sounded smart but it's really dumb <laughs> it thinks it's smart dean it really <laughs> thinks it's smart um, it's like that one friend you have who like finally learned like <laughs> one long word and they use it all the time but incorrectly because they think they've added like culture it's, the, it's their- no you know what it is it's the fucking acoustic guitar God forbid I fucking want to have a fire and now comes that fucking guitar. Oh, hey, without actually, fail I... to play the same song over and over and over. Oh, what's again. that? You guys wanted to hear Wonderwall? <laughs> All right. <Ugh>. No, dude. <laughs> you want to play no. Wonderwall for everybody. That's you what it is. Play it. <laughs> you want to do that. Oh. <laughs> BP 9000's enjoying this. That's good. We're finally shitting on someone else's bounty pick for a change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you see you see ben we're just equal opportunists in our hatred we're just hatred but i, I would have killed for dane cook's reaction to that line like for fucking kevin costner to be like well do you want to kill the driver or the owner they're not necessarily the same thing <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> what who, what, what what who cares um what you, you're fucking you totally bananas dude <laughs> so, so next scene they hack into the computer into the police database and get all of this woman's information fucking insane <laughs> in, impossible insane what are you edward snowden like what are you fucking what damn dog are you the fucking soviets <laughs> what the right? fuck man <laughs> like and none you- of it matters no none no. of them it just where she got her they you know what they learn what we already know she has a bunch of money. Right. Actually, no, no. We learned that for the first time here. This is the first scene where we like, that's like revealed. 
Right, but, but my it, point is it's going to be revealed when we start to realize that the amount of money this person's asking for, it makes us go, okay, she's got money. Like we know she instinctively yeah. she has money. Right. And, right. The, and the way she has that money doesn't really matter. No. <laughs> outside of that she does. And she swims right. in a pool, which is cool. <laughs> she's seeing a shrink because of her ex. She uh, married actually, a younger he, guy. Okay. Uh, yeah. And that's, that, would not, that would not be on her fucking record too. She's seeing a shrink because of her ex-husband. Like so dumb. Not on someone's personnel file. What? <laughs> but this is a perfect, dude, this scene is a perfect example of what we were talking about earlier of them surgically attaching a completely yes. separate plot thread because what does everything Mr. Brooks learn about uh, Detective Atwood or whatever bullshit name is here? It has nothing to do with the actual character. Mm-hmm. He's learning it via a computer. He doesn't have to interact with her. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to be in a scene with her. Mm-hmm. I half wonder if they shot her fucking part of this movie like after they shot the Just fucking- sec- The secondary crew. She never even met the director. <laughs> Like there's a part of me that wonders. And then they just like did some pickup shots with Costner for these quick little scenes of like, ah, and this detective, blah, 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 that's it. Like it, it's right. so separate. It, what what we insane. learn, what, but the most important thing we learn outside of the money is that she does it because she likes to do it and she's good at it. And this intrigues Mr. Brooks, which doesn't matter. No. Until the call at the end of the movie, which also doesn't matter. That's the problem with the movie the addition of the Mr. Smith character is a fucking mistake. The, the oh, whole yeah. plot's a mistake, I think. That's part of the problem. <laughs> the, the plot? I would say the main problem with this movie is um, the plot's a mistake. <laughs> it is. I don't want to be controversial, but it's just, it's, it's, it's <sighs> fucking banana land. You know, it's, yeah. It's just in this oh, scene, it's so crazy. Yeah. And, 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 and that's, all this that's sets up for is another is another plot twist towards the very end of the movie, which is also so contrived and complicated and weird. And like, why would that be part of it? But basically it just sets up the whole thing of, he knows why she's getting divorced. And if he kills them, that'll put the spotlight on (sighs) her to make her a suspect and get some heat off of his back. And, and it's just, but then he'll use that scene to frame Smith it's like they only Stop. cared about getting to that. They only cared about getting to that. Yeah. Uh, Super. He's, su- he's really guilty about it, though. <laughs> Super he's definitely guilty. not totally pumped about this kick-ass fucking conspiracy. He's he Super guilty about up. it and clearly addicted. And by addicted, I mean he sees an opportunity to shed some fucking heat off him. So he's going to do a calculated attack. Serious. Not like he's licking his fucking lips as some girl walks by in a short skirt like a vampire, like you'd expect, right? Right. Like like a compelling, like I'm emotionally addicted to this. I'm a fucking monster. Yeah. Not just no. like, ooh, this will be, this will be yeah, a He's cool- like the Bill Belichick of killers. Right. He's just so but matter they, of fact about it. You know, he's like- They make him, well, they try to, you know what, another- We're on, we're on to the X. We're on to the X. Yeah, but, but what the about the couple numerous. you killed earlier? Don't you feel bad about it? No, we're on, we're on to the uh, we're on to the ex husband and the lawyer now. There we go. We're gonna ice them too. I'm yeah. gonna rack up a real solid count. Um, but no, the other like of, of the numerous fucking problems that Back. I'm seeing with this whole movie and with Mister Brooks. Well, well, don't go past is, the, the 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 Rite Aid parking lot fucking stakeout. So riveting. (laughs) It's very riveting because serial killers are smart, so they do crosswords and they're good at them. They're very smart guys. 
Dude, they keep trying to make him like the James Bond of serial killers. That's what is also really annoying here. Like, we're su- how are we supposed to? Here's a good question. Here's a good question. How are we supposed to feel about Mr. Brooks by the end of this movie? Pause that. I'm going to do a listener comment. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm going to inject some uh, levity back into that. I mean, we were, we were having a fun time, but. Oh, hell yeah. So from Drayton Holmes. I figure by now you probably have watched Mr. Brooks with a podcast recording upcoming tomorrow, so I want to go ahead and share my two cents as the bounty purchaser. If you haven't watched it yet, you may want to wait until later read. So Mr. Brooks, I'm somewhere between you and Matthew in age, I think. Kevin Costner was my mother's top celebrity crush when I was growing up. I remember how much she enjoyed the likes of Tin Cup, Danceable Wolves, Bodyguard, Revenge. Ooh, Revenge. Rob Madeline Stowe. They fuck her up in that movie. Uh, Robin Hood. Of course, those were my boyhood years. My heroes were Steven Seagal, JCVD, and of course, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I loved Robin Hood, but that was my only real viewing of Costner until I stumbled across Mr. Brooks, perhaps of how I remembered him as a child. I thought the cast of Costner was a serial, was, was as, as Costner as a serial killer was odd. It seemed like serial killer movies exploded in the 90s following success of Sons of the Lambs, with Steven being the best of the decade next to Silence uh, 7, in my opinion. You are correct. He continues, now, of course, I'm not comparing Brooks to either of those artistically. It's over the top and absurd in many ways, but I find it to be enjoyable to watch. Costner was convincing to me as a wealthy, well-respected businessman living a double life. The movie took what I thought was a different spin on the serial killer drama by featuring Costner as someone addicted to killing versus just complete psychopath. The best parts of the movie are when Costner and Hurt are on screen together. Their interactions are so well done, and many of them are just flat-out funny, especially Hurt's performance as Marshall. I loved his reaction about Mr. Smith's desire to go with Costner on the next kill. Orrin, Brooks, and Marshall are waiting on Smith in the rain, and Marshall advises him to just honk, inviting the possibility of Smith getting run over. Sarcasm and brutal honesty of the Marshall character I thought was outstanding. He delivers the lines well. I liked when he was busting Brooks's balls about attending the AA, midi- AA meetings. Let me also address Cook. He was probably uh, an acting lightweight cast against Costner and Hurt, but as I rewatched this week in preparation, I have come to the conclusion that he actually pulls off the part okay. He is essentially playing a perverted doofus who isn't smart enough to match Brooks, and I think he pulls that off. The one moment where I felt he actually did do some good acting was during his last conversation with Demi Moore's character in the parking lot. Cook is instantly annoying and unlikable upon his first appearance. You spend the whole movie knowing he'll get killed at some point by Brooks and waiting for that to happen, and his death scene doesn't disappoint. I at least enjoyed the acting of Danielle Panabaker. Um, I did not find her convincing at all, someone who may have somehow genetically inherited her father's addiction to killing. Yeah, he wrote Ludicrous Idea, but it's the movie. Costner pulls off his character's confliction about the situation well, but a stronger performance in the role of a daughter could have helped that subplot. I've rambled on long enough, no doubt. There will be plenty of listener comments to check out with much more astute observation about the movie. Fingers crossed that you enjoyed it. Sorry. <laughs> and if you didn't... I love I, it. I know. You know what? I kind of I kind of like it. It's a, it's a, it is a beautiful mess. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> I imagine you'll have fun shitting on it, he writes. <laughs> He's not wrong. <laughs> he is not wrong. And dude, I was primed for this. Like the timing of this is incredible because I, I, um, uh, like I was telling you the other day, my my roommate Connor, the infamous uh, fucking, <laughs> the infamous noisemaker in the background of our video games episode, um, moved away. <laughs> but on our send off, our farewell, big fan of the room. We all watched the room again. Had a great time laughing at that really bad movie. And I was just like, boy, what a fun bad movie. It's so bad, but it's so much fun. 
And this is, I, I'm still like in the mood for that. And this movie, mm, 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 just got it. Just tastes just right for that. Ugh. <laughs> so much fun. Well, Ooh, this where? is where, this is where the hangman becomes, uh, lands on the radar, appears on the radar of Mr. Brooks. <sighs> he recognizes this him is... from the paper. This guy, <sighs> by the way, he didn't get released from prison. He escaped. He escaped. And he's still cruising around town. <laughs> Going to the convenience store. Okay. And uh, you've seen it twice. What the fuck is going on with this? What? Why? Why? What? Why? I don't understand this fucking scene at all. The mm-hmm. more I think about it, I'm like, I don't get it. Because this is the moment where Mr. Brooks goes, ah, you know what? We're not going to kill the guy that, you know, we picked out for, that you picked out, or the, the, the guy who cut us off in the truck. We're going to kill someone else. And that, and it just, the scene kind of ends it basically be like, oh, we're going to postpone till tomorrow again, because that's your whole fucking story in this movie, getting fucking <laughs> postponed on. But I, I was like, so is he going to kill the hangman for her? No, that's not it. Is this the moment when he decides to kill the, 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 the her ex-husband and the lawyer? No, that was earlier. What the fuck is he talking about? Like, what is this? I don't understand his reaction to the hangman at all. Like I'm, this is the one thing where I'm like, I don't even have a theory on. I'm like completely lost. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you have he a says, take? I, we're not going to kill. We're not going to kill the hangman. And and Marshall's like, I love what you're thinking. And he's like, No, I know, I know. I said, I know, I said we would or something like that. But I don't think it would be as that much fun. Right. Also, and, the other. <laughs> oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. And then and then he fires up the car and they just leave. And, and we're supposed to believe that Marshall knows kind of what he's thinking. We are supposed to know what he's thinking, but I don't really know what he's thinking. Other yeah. than he knows that this person that escaped is somebody, may, maybe he assumes they're going after Atwood. Maybe he assumes he wants to kill them for her because he kind of likes her. I, I don't know. It's not obvious. See that? Yeah. Yeah, it's really they something like he, he got he got weird when he saw them and mm-hmm. and when Atwood came up he was like huh wow 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 I think he says literally and I think that it's knowledge which is ludicrous but it's supposed to be public knowledge that the hangman has escaped and <laughs> I'm sorry like I it's hard to public it. knowledge what do you mean everybody knows he escaped they're pasting his picture all over the newspaper yeah yeah. <laughs> The hangman and the scarecrow and Bane all fucking escaped Arkham, and everybody knows about it. And I think it's even supposed to be public knowledge that uh, he tried to get Atwood. And so, wait, 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 wait. Are you telling me like a supervillain? He's declared his desire for revenge from an undisclosed location I to the think- masses. <laughs> I think fucking Brooks knows that he's tried to like get her or is going to. <laughs> it's so fucking dumb, man. It's so bad. I'll get you, my pretty. <laughs> I will kill those who tried to imprison me. Oh, even though I look like the fucking methed out version of the singer from Smash Mouth. Yeah. He does explain it though. He says finding you finding someone you think will be you will want to kill us is kind of like like falling in love, right? Here we go. You meet a lot of candidates and you like some and they're nice, but they're not right. And that right. special one comes along and your heart it beats faster, Matthew. And you know that's the one. The man <sighs> in the pickup did not make right. I think he says my heart beat faster. 
Mm-hmm. That didn't make, he didn't make my heart beat faster. Mm-hmm. He wasn't the one. Well, then who? Well, I don't know, but I think, I think I have someone in mind. Oh, and hey, also, again, why doesn't uh, Mr. Smith, Dan Cook's character, be like, uh, you said this was my party. Maybe he made my fucking heart beat faster. What are you talking about? What, mm-hmm. what, why are you contradicting everything we fucking said up until this point? But now Always. he's being like super, and he's being really vague with him, and, and Smith so is into vague. it. He's like, let's see how it plays out. And he's like, that's what I'm talking about. No, no, he's getting mad here. Oh, he's oh like, you're when's right. It going you're right. To happen? You're right. When's it? Uh, you, you keep jerking me around, which is also insane. How how fucking bonered up? Or it's been like two days since you saw Mister Brooks like murder someone, and you started blackmailing him. I'm like, you can't wait a week to murder someone. You're getting this fucking antsy. It's so maybe up maybe Costner should take a a, a fucking cue from Cook and become more obsessed with killing. <laughs> You know, you know what the story is about, <laughs> right? He's like, when is this movie going to get interesting? I'm fucking tired of this. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. All right. What the fuck? Maybe, maybe it's in this moment where he got the idea to go after the, um, maybe when he thought about the idea of going after Atwood, maybe that's why he decided maybe I'll go after the divorce person. I don't know the fucking <laughs> dude. I that's don't know. Saying, man. I don't know. All right, you know what? Let's just fucking dive into this daughter bullshit real quick, too. Yeah, can we, we wrap on this? We've, we've barely touched that. Yeah, we got we got to get in there on this one. Uh, okay, long story so, short, okay, his daughter was away at college, killed a guy with a hatchet. Mm-hmm. Detectives show up, and and not basically the, what the other crazy part about this, which makes his character just again like so genius and cold and impossible to like empathize or understand with. He, he's just like puts it together that she must have killed them. There's mm-hmm. nothing, like, there's no real evidence. It's all his inference of, like, wow, oh, she was trying to tell me when she was saying, that's not the real reason I came home being pregnant. And, and like, it's all, like, for all we know, the amount of evidence that he sees that she actually killed someone, maybe she didn't. Like, there's really no way to be sure. Like, he just knows, that, oh, because I'm a killer, she probably has the same thing. And it's, you know, she got pregnant and ran off, so she probably killed the guy who got her pregnant. But he literally just assumes all of that shit. Like, that's, that's the other crazy part of it. There's just no fucking evidence. And, and, that, and then we get back about to the it. thing. And then we kind of get back to the thing I keep harping on, which is this idea that this is all his emotion is wrapped up in her. Now, I get it. It's your daughter. I understand the emotion, but I'm just saying it seems to consume the movie, which it isn't really about, kind of. Right, right. Like, like, like we sort of introduce her, and then, and then it, it's like... She's barely it's like, in it. It's like his conflict revolves around her sort of perhaps being like him, but that's not mm-hmm. really, I don't know. That conflict. It's like, it's like, it's like, did they want the movie to be about that? Then they should have done that more. You know? Right. See, that's the thing. Like this movie doesn't understand what a theme is right. where it's like, like that's a, that's a through line that is introduced and then co- continually come, it comes back up and is evolved and grows and becomes, you know, the, the consistent through line of the movie, not like something that is introduced, never referenced again for 35 minutes, comes back up in one scene again, and then is continued to never be referenced again for another hour. And then, Oh, referenced again in the last two minutes. Like mm-hmm. that's not a thing. You can't just say that's the theme of your movie when <laughs> right. you never have it in your fucking movie. This is the moment too, where Marshall suggests she might want to kill him to take over the business. Is this fucking game of Thrones? <laughs> <laughs> the fuck. 
And yeah, <laughs> yes. And, uh, and she's he's next like, no, in line of succession for the fucking Brooks box business. And see, again, the movie tricked me again here because I was like, oh, maybe that's because we're only about halfway through. There's plenty of time for a big like act at the end of act two, like change in what's happening. And so I thought, oh, maybe it's going to become Mr. Brooks scared of his own daughter that she's even more psychopathic Ugh. than him. And he's going to have to like go after her. No. Like that was just Even a, a throwaway dumb. line. Even yeah. that's super stupid. But I thought, like, is that what the right. content, is that what the focus of you the were story kind, is yes, be? you were waiting for the for the lens to sort of focus in and just never quite <laughs> right. does. Right. I'm right. like, what is this fucking movie about, man? <laughs> oh. All right. So all right, let's see. We uh, we are on storyline 397. Um, let's go ahead and, and jump a couple pages deeper. Yeah, this Fuck. is worth go with Mr. Smith tonight. And finish that, like the, the whole, and let the police put Jane in jail. Right, that's Marshall's idea. Yeah, um, where he's like, maybe this will be this will be better for her that she goes to to jail, uh, which is also so inconsistent. But, but no, no. Instead, I'm gonna put on a fucking goofy disguise from Mission Impossible, <laughs> and I'm gonna go to your school and kill somebody with a hatchet and come back. <laughs> I'm going to take one of my virtual cornucopia of identifications stowed away. We're going to go all the way out there and get one White Walker. And we're going to kill him with a hatchet. So we can show that it was impossible for her to be the killer. So he's trying to save his daughter by taking heat off her. Exactly. Which I'm like... Another great example of the movie going, see, isn't that a crazy, cool plot twist that he would actually unknowingly to everybody else, even his wife and his secretary, he's going to fly all the way down to Palo Alto and one day kill somebody else in the same method, leave the same, you know, murder device and come all the way back so that the police there then think it's a serial killer and it must not be her. Isn't that a cool thing? I'm like, you worked so hard to make that. You worked so hard to make that be in the movie that you forgot to have a character doing it. Right. <laughs> like right. he's just a no man. He's a non. He's a non person. He's a non person. Just fucking doing a thing you want to see someone do. Dressed like fucking Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> Dave the play. Oh, he's got to pull out my Dave the plumber fucking disguise. Like he's got like the goofiest fucking <laughs> like haunted house character fucking. Set of costumes. Ah, it's so fucking silly, dude. Yep. So silly. I mean, this movie is is fascinating as an exercise of like studying a screenplay. Like it's just it's so much going on and none of it matters. So much sound and fury. Yeah. Yet nothing. It all signifies nothing. A lot of the Demi Moore stuff, which you've already covered, happens next. Oh, and then when he gets in the car, he's got a second disguise. Yeah, that's his old man disguise. <laughs> <laughs> this is my Grandpa Dave disguise that I came home in. Um, again, sir, you movie- don't... You So did he buy... He didn't buy a round trip. <laughs> uh, well... Right? Because then they would be like, but that's not you. Yeah, no, he must not have. He bought a ticket one way and then a one way back. Different yeah. IDs. <laughs> With a different disguise. Yeah, dudes. <laughs> and you just see him sitting in the car pulling off the wig, right? It's oh. like it's like every prostitute that just sucked too many dicks that weekend just pulling off that wig. All the shame. Uh, right? That's what, what he's doing. He's just do. sitting there, the shame, looking in the rear view. 
and oh. and they try to come back to this theme like <laughs> of what him the feeling guilt? guilty but dude what's so crazy about that is he's not guilty about killing another person but <laughs> but killing somebody that he wasn't murder in love with <laughs> that's the reason he, he he's says, never killed anybody that I wasn't smitten with he talks about the embarrassment and the shame of being caught so there's that part of it too cuz he knows eventually he's going to be caught Right, and he doesn't want that to come down on his family either, mm-hmm. for them to realize that he's been a monster. Because he's just a good guy. Yeah, he's, he's so not a villain. That's the, another goofy thing about the movie. They're so concerned about you, You're that. kind of rooting for it. Yes, the movie's very concerned with us, and Kevin Costner probably is too, with us loving right. his character, right? Yeah, I mean, which again, he did waste a young couple fucking. Let's not forget. Let's not forget what happens in the first eight minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to ask it again. Obviously, it's still not time to answer it or really fully think about it yet, but I just want to put it back in everybody's minds. How are we supposed to feel about Mr. Brooks by the end of this? How? <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Bullet point that again. Um, oh, so uh, there's another murder at your school with a hatchet. Career. She's like, oh, really? He's like, yeah, so you're, you're good. <sighs> and, uh, yeah, so I did that. Do you love me? Yeah, you're my father. I do love you. All of this is uh, all of this is to set up that fucking dumb, cheap dream at the end where he gets scissors in the neck. It's so bad. Just for a fake out. All of this, like him questioning her love, and and then it's, we see uh, many many so shots. Hollow. Yes, many shots of Costner with his hands in his head because he's really he's really feeling it. <laughs> I'm remoting. I'm so torn up. <laughs> My deep well of love for my daughter, I, whose name I forgot. He then does a I'm terminally ill thing, and I'm going to write this letter so I can leave my family. That's the move, right? It's so complicated, man. So complicated. They <laughs> smell gun oil. Did he? So, so eight thousand scenes, guys. Uh, are you guys? Are you guys Wolverine or maybe Sabretooth? You can smell the gun oil. Kenya? Does Dane Cook look like a character who freshly fucking cleaned his weapon before going out that day and it's full of gun oil? Stop. You can smell gun oil. Smelling that gun Why? oil. That's the movie trying to be fucking cool. Trying to be cool and smart. Right. Trying By going so hard. Oh, how observant is he? Dude, it, it, here, here's what this movie does. It tries, it, it, it's like, um, it's like doing uh, it's like doing a math problem way more complicated than you need to be when the simple formula will suffice. Right. That's what it does right. with all of his discoveries or all of Demi Moore's discoveries, which is like, yeah, it's possible he just shut the blinds after he killed him because he realized his mistake, or maybe they were shut. Maybe they weren't. It doesn't matter. We're going to still question those people. Like, it doesn't fucking matter how hard they were closed. Just like, assume that the guy that knows you're a killer and is blackmailing you is armed. Right, right. That's not, you don't need to smell the gun oil. The only uh, oil I smell is, this, is the oil I'm shooting all over my ass as this movie fucking slams it in my <laughs> pooper. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. Again, for the millionth hey, real quick, time, though, I like this movie. The only thing this movie actually cares about is plot points and twists and ha- making Mr. Brooks seem smart and cool. <laughs> That's it. That's yep. all it gives a shit about. So it now they're going to kill these evil blood-sucking lawyers and the ex. Uh, this hot guy, he deserves to die. Dude, the fucking lawyer's a cutie patootie. 
Yeah, she's fucking cute. And, and also, like, dude, that scene earlier, like I know it's supposed to be some twist when they show up in their apartment, uh, Dane Cook and, and uh, Kevin Costner to kill them, that, oh, they're actually fucking. But no the kidding. way they interact in that fucking scene or the only other scene you see them when they're at the table doing the whole like deposition is like, oh, these two are fucking. <laughs> of course. <laughs> look, look at them. These two are fucking. And does Dane Cook pee himself? Yes, he fucking does, dude. Because they come home, I guess, sooner than they expected. I think he's just getting worked up for the murder time. But no, it's like he gets, he's surprised by them banging and like being there sooner than they thought they'd be. And he fucking pisses himself, Mm -hmm. which is also not a character thing. I mean, like sort of, I guess. I have the answer to your question. It just dawned on me right now. Ooh, tell me. The movie wants you to like Mr. Brooks a lot. (laughs) It wants you to think he's really cool and awesome. Here's why. (laughs) Here's why. Outside Um, of the opening incident, which you have to show. Have to. You have to show the opening incident to make us understand who this person is, which is why suddenly we are hooked, right? We don't see him kill anyone else in the movie except for a man trying to blackmail him who we feel is villainous and underhanded. True. Who he's about to kill. We don't see him kill some innocent poor bastard with a fucking hatchet somewhere to keep his daughter safe. Yeah, some but innocent we do random see him, college kid. Right, but we do see him kill what I guess is a is is a is a disreputable and underhanded lawyer and some guy who's trying to get a divorce from Debbie Moore and take money from him because they're evil. You know what I mean? Like in other words, yeah. the movie doesn't. It, it, it sort of retracts its claws when it comes to showing us it does you're 100 percent right right it's retracting its claws therefore we don't really care about the struggle the movie doesn't care about the struggle because we certainly don't care about the struggle which might be strangely intuitive of the movie to to back off on because we don't really care again dude our interest in this is purely intellectual we just want to see him be smarter in our fox people that's all it is that's all it is there's no emotional content to it at all outside of the daughter which is complete and utter stupidity total bullshit um and honestly and again obviously it's not like uh we had fucking mics on the production of this and learned all this shit or anything we're hypothesizing but i think that might actually be the rubik's cube behind why the tone of this movie is so fucking weird the big dick on set in this movie is 100 percent kevin costner um, 100%. and i have to imagine that uh, here, let, fuck it. Let me double check. I think he might even be listed as an uh, executive producer. Let's fucking see. That's hardly produced surprising. by Kevin Costner. Of course, he's one of three producers. You fucking know oh, God, that he got his hands into the story and was trying to make his character, the person he's going to be on screen portraying, still be not all bad. And they got so wrapped up, they got their fu- they got themselves wrapped around their own axle, contriving, contorting all this shit about a fucking serial killer. <laughs> kills people and busts a nut about it right after trying to make him a James Bond cool guy that you like and think is morally upright. Like so that's Bruce, Bruce Evans fucking, directed this movie. Uh, it's a mess. And it was the last movie he directed <laughs> And the movie. He directed before this was cuffs with Christian Slater. <laughs> the fuck is cuffs. I've never oh, even heard of that. It's dog shit. Oh, Oh yeah. It's, it's, it would, they were still riding the wave of the Christian Slater like thing that happened sort of in there. Yeah, Mila Jovovich is in it and stuff. She's hot, but whatever. Um, that's 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 Christian Slater at his hottest. Like that's when he was really big. Oh, is that oh ninety two? Imagine, yeah, I Christian dude, Slater. Imagine being Bruce Evans 
in the star of the movie is the guy backing the movie. Basically. What yeah. a fucking headache. What? I mean, like you are beholden to him. <laughs> you fucking can't. What are really you saying, say Mr. No. Costner? Sure, Mr. Costner. We'll we'll make this psychopath who murders innocent people who are having sex in their own home. We're gonna make him a cool hero. <laughs> anyway, our guy's all jazzed up, Smith. He ends up pulling the gun. He's like, if you shoot me, there's a good chance we'll both die because of the speed at which I'm driving. That's mm. that's really clever. So clever. I mean, he's outfoxing <sighs> this guy, you know. And, and he's like, oh, no. And this is when he says, let me help you. So here's something I do like, okay? I like that he says, let me let me help you kill me. And here's why I want to die. Like, that's kind of cool. Right. Right. Right? That's something that works in this movie. Yeah. But also, the thing that's silly about that, though, like, I don't mind that. I like, the way he introduces, the way he talks about it, this is one of the few other, like, actual character elements of Mr. Brooks that is, you know— something that like this is kind of a, a he an gives no reason his, behind it yeah exactly well there's that but i'm like it's an offshoot of his guilt uh and that, that kind of makes sense that he'd eventually want to die but i'm like why wouldn't you just disappear and kill yourself somewhere that's why true. do you why do you need a fucking guy to do it probably <laughs> probably because he because he can't sell that to smith no, no, no. i'm just saying like if he really genuinely wants to die which at this point we're supposed to be convinced we're supposed to genuinely believe that right now, at this point in the movie, Mr. Brooks does. Oh, want oh to I didn't die. believe that. No, I want to make that clear. I'm no, just saying, no, dude. He, according to the movie, <laughs> it's insane. But according to the movie, he does want to die, but had like changed his mind at the last minute that he like did want to go through with it. I he didn't even get had a that backup. Impre- gun. I, I believe you, but I didn't interpret it that way. So I guess, but I mean, like, it wants no, us I'm to telling believe. you. <laughs> You don't have to guess. I'm telling you, I didn't take it. He's going to let this guy kill him. I'm like, oh, he's going to trick this fucking dummy. There's that. But dude, he, when he goes out to the graveyard and he tries to fire the gun at him, I know I'm jumping into it, but he tries to fire the gun and it doesn't fire because he bent the firing pin. And he even goes, I even have a, a different loaded gun in my pocket that I was going to give to you if I changed my mind. But when I had my eyes closed just now, I decided that because my daughter's pregnant, I want to see how that story ends. So he's saying, I changed my mind just now. You know oh, what I mean? Not, See what I'm saying? Not, not I, if I changed my mind and I wanted to die. Yeah. Okay. Another thing I read backwards because <laughs> it makes more sense my way. <laughs> which does. is I have a loaded gun in case I want you to kill me, but I don't want you to kill me. That's the way right. I took it. Not yeah, yeah. I want to die the whole time and now I don't. Right, right. And I think that's what it was, which is why I kept being like, why don't you just fucking kill yourself then? <laughs> Why all the hoops of this shit you have to deal with? If you like, you just write in the same note to your family, f- book a jet to Bermuda and blow your brains out somewhere. Like, what are you doing? <sighs> it's, it's, it's so, so he can outfox him in the in a cool way in the graveyard that he apparently owns. One hundred, <laughs> of course he does, because he's so fucking big dicked and cool, man. He's so fucking cool. Ah, shit, <laughs> shit. Does he Mr. literally Brooks? say all this about? <laughs> he does say all this. <laughs> You, but oh my god, this movie's bananas. It's I really oh. did want you to kill me, but yeah. in case I must have missed this dialogue, how the fuck did I miss this? Because there's 800 million scenes, but in case there's- at the last minute I changed my mind, I returned to your apartment. Man, I read that so backwards. I don't know why I read it as I didn't want to die, but I changed, but I was gonna change my mind in case I wanted to die. That's why right. I had the loaded gun and I disabled that gun. Yep. But it's backwards Dude, to that. Wow. It's it's so fucking complicated. It's so complicated. 
That's what I'm saying. Of like, there are so many cooks in the kitchen here trying to contort (laughs) it for fucking nice pun. Dane Dane Cook. (laughs) I didn't even, Mm -hmm. dude. I don't think I've ever made a pun on this fucking podcast on purpose. (laughs) I know. I I know. I know. Anyway, (laughs) he kills him with a fucking shovel. Slashes his throat, but we don't care because he's a bastard. And Brooks is he's a good a, guy. He's a shitty guy. Brooks and is hey, a good I'll, guy. I'll give he cares him a about bonus his daughter. <laughs> when he cuts his throat, makeup effect actually looks pretty good. Yeah. It oh, it's. Solid. I mean, when when Brooks gets it, it's great. Oh, that too. Gruesome yeah, shit. Good. <laughs> anyway, calls the girl. He calls Demi Moore. <sighs> oh, you know. By the way, real quick. Uh, let me let me find it. I'm going to find the exact shot. I'm going to give you the time, Mark, because it is the one and only thing that's actually in Portland in this whole fucking movie. Uh, it is an hour. Here we go. An hour, 48, and three seconds. That's the only actual thing in Portland in this entire fucking movie. Cup, saucer, cafe. And of course, you see a bus go by to be like, that's a Portland bus. I recognize it. This is for sure Portland. That's it. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, Dean, I've seen that place. <laughs> <sighs> so yeah he calls her and he's all like why do you want to be a cop and she's like because my dad wanted a, a child with a dick and he's like ah all right and he throws the phone off the building yep that's it man and, and uh, again you know all you have to do to make her story at least i wouldn't say compelling but not asinine is just it. to be like well just to be like my father i inherited a bunch of money from my father but my father died young he was murdered, and I've always wanted to avenge that. You just give her a fucking Batman story, man. Just give her a fucking reason to be a cop. Not just, well, I was rich, and my father didn't like that I have a vagina, so I became a homicide detective. What? Like, why not become G.I. Jane then? Like, fuck it. I don't know. Anything. You could have been, my father wanted a boy, so I became the first professional catcher on a base male baseball team. Like, I, that doesn't, you could do anything. Like, it doesn't matter. It's so fucking stupid. Yep. But then he goes home. Okay. <laughs> this is the best part. Drinks a little cup of milk. Goes and kisses his 20-year-old daughter in her bed, you know, mm. after she had been sitting on his lap earlier. He was nice. also revved up from that. Real fucking getting real weird here. And she just rams a pair of shears into his fucking neck. And blood spurts everywhere, and it's super gory, the goriest scene of the entire movie. And he falls onto the bed being like, and then dies. And it's a fucking dream. Just kidding. He's not dead. He's fine. Mr. Brooks is the best. You know why that happened? The original ending was that he gets stabbed in the fucking neck, and his daughter puts his glasses on, and it's like, there's the, like, his suspicion earlier of maybe she's even worse than me, and she might kill me. Yeah, that was correct. Oh, she's the worst one. She's more psychopathic, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but you know why they changed it and tacked on that horrible fucking, it's just a dream? Oh, God. The first, end, the first end of the movie, when the daughter stabs Mr. Brooks, was initially the ending to the film. It would have begun another spinoff movie featuring the daughter, Miss, Miss Brooks. After test screenings, the ending was changed to make the death a dream. <laughs> and abandoned the, the other two movies. Yeah, it's supposed to be a fucking trilogy, dude. It's supposed to be a trilogy. <laughs> That's fucking madness. I love it. <laughs> 
And by the way, me, me and Jess, me and Jess probably spent a solid forty minutes writing the imaginary trilogy of what it would be. Obviously, the first one's Mister Brooks. The second is Miss Brooks. The third is Baby Brooks (laughs) because it's her serial killer baby, who's a fucking toddler stabbing machine. I love it Uh, with Kevin Costner's head. (laughs) You look just like your grandfather. It's just a straight CG of Kevin Costner's head, wrinkles and all, like, ga, ga, googie, ga, me, want murder. Ah, fuck, man. All right, let's wrap on this. Holy shit. Anything else you want to say about it? Um, I fucking love this movie. (laughs) I fucking love it. It's it's fantastic. I want to watch it again right now. Dude, this movie's fucking great. If you have listened to this confused, Using ass podcast and haven't seen this movie, go fucking watch this movie. It's phenomenal. I love it. I want this to become the new The Room. Like, it's so fucking great. Every, everyone, everyone should watch this movie. I highly endorse and recommend. Um, I second that. It's the best movie I've ever seen. It's amazing. I love it's it. It's so good. I'm going to watch it again. And uh, that's that. It's the best piece of shit in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck me, man. You're a good man, Mr. Brooks. (laughs) You are a good man. (laughs) Fuck. Yeah. I love it. So Drayton Holmes bounced a second movie called Extreme Prejudice. We're doing that in July. Fuck yeah. And uh, next time on the pod, we're doing Memento. And I think we're looking at a possible Sunday recording. If you can do that, because old Butters might want to join in for some Nolan action. Ooh, hell yeah. So we might be recording next Sunday, not Thursday. So keep that open if you can. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, if you've listened to this and you've enjoyed it, make sure you check us out on the web. net slash join, where we have uh, cool membership options where you get a lot of bonus content. We've been doing a little uh, little Trek talk lately, a little, uh, little, doing a little bit, fucking around, experiment a little over there. Trekking on Tamulus. Mm. Have you heard any of the Trek talks with Nate? I, I've listened to some, most, some of the Nate talks, but not the Trek talks yet. Oh, I just put one up. You should go listen. But um, all right, we're going to get out of here. Thanks again to Drain Holmes, and this is the beginning of our bounty season. So one down, nine to go. And uh, once we get through them, we are going to sell some more. So if you want us to cover something and dump all over like we just did, yet strangely love it in this sort of oh, yeah. bizarre. We're sort of like a tonal kaleidoscope as well because <laughs> you're not sure how we feel. Because of what we say, oh. we're very contradictive. Of, oh, man, of, this movie is an unwatchable piece of shit. And I absolutely love it. And you'd, everyone should go watch it. <laughs> that's, uh, that's probably a, a very succinct way to say it. There we go. That's it, man. I stand by it. We're out of here, guys. Have a good night.